0: This is Jocko podcast number 135 with echo Charles and me Jocko Willink good evening echo good evening Dear mrs. Spearing There is grief in my heart and in the hearts of all my comrades for the great sorrow that this war has brought to you and to us we all unite to express our heartfelt sympathy and condolence to the mother and family of one who has fallen in a cause as imperishable as will be the names of those who have fallen to defend it should there be anything my comrades and I can do to mitigate your grief and to allay your sorrow some little keepsake of Walt as a Marine, perhaps, but name it Dear Lady, and it shall traverse the ocean to you. Because you do not know me, please do not think it presumptuous for me to write. You are Walter's mother. I was his inseparable friend and comrade. That makes us two kindred souls in common grief for our nearest. And dearest. Then, too, this letter fulfills my duty that I am bound by oath and will to perform. Many months ago, Walt and I promised each other that should the God of battles call to one, the other would console the sorrowing mother. Now, Walt has gone west to home and to you forever. But his figure his voice his wonderful personality will always be living truths to me I myself should the great call come will go gladly confident of a reunion and with faith in the eternal truth of that cause for which I die beneath the green and Bella woods Forever connected to the honor of the Marines, lies Walt with his two comrades, dead on the field of honor. Above their graves, the stately pines sway in their grandeur, an imperishable monument. But, greatest of all epitaphs, is that engraved within the hearts of his comrades. A man than whom there was no peer. In kindliness, in understanding, in comradeship, beyond compare. We alone know what could have been had circumstances so willed it. Whatever befall, whatever sorrow fills us one thing I swear to you here hard by that lonely grave the very paper that I write upon taken in a captured German dugout I swear that Walt is well avenged that he has died not in vain for his spirit leads us on to ultimate victory you are proud I know for you are the mother of a martyr a martyr in a holy cause freedom and Liberty dear lady the very thought that you are in grief tears my heart do not sorrow death after all is not so terrible and here why here it is glorious mother in the name of the 23rd company in the name of the Marines I salute you and all my comrades salute you devotedly Saul Seagull And that was a letter written by Saul Siegel who was an 0333 heavy machine gunner. And he was 20 years old when he wrote that letter at the graveside of his Marine Corps brother Walter Spearing was his name, who was from Philadelphia, who'd been amongst the earliest of the Marines to ship over to war, and who was one of the 1,811 Americans killed at the Battle of Bella Wood. And Walter Spearing died on June 26, 1918. And as he said, that letter was written on captured paper from a German dugout and you hear that writing that articulate that that poetic writing by a 20 year old Marine Corps machine gunner and it's a letter that captures so many different aspects of war and in capturing different aspects of war it teaches us teaches us about leadership it teaches us about human nature teaches us about suffering it teaches us about death and it teaches us about life and tonight back here again to talk to us about all those different subjects as a marine that I was honored to serve with on the battlefield and who I am now honored to work with once again on a different front his name is Dave Burke he's been on the podcast before already so if you haven't heard that one it was podcast number 69 and you should listen to that one first to hear about Dave's Incredible background as a Marine Corps f-18 fighter pilot f-16 pilot f-22 pilot f-35 pilot Top Gun pilot Top Gun instructor Top Gun senior instructor and of course Anglico team leader on the ground with us in the Battle of Ramadi And if you've listened to podcast 69 Then you can hear all about that And tonight we'll go a little deeper on all these different subjects Dave, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Thanks, Jack. I'm stuck to be here, man.
0: <clears throat> you just find these letters like that, and it's it's incredible. I know I, I, I was like, hey, read this, and you know your reactions. Like, this is a 20 year old Marine. Yeah. Is it a different time? Is it the language is different back then? Yeah,
1: and the language is different, and if you. Just Hear the words it sounds like a completely different world and then when you think about what he's saying I know exactly what he you can you can feel what he's feeling and it comes through so so clearly and and I've read letters like that. I've heard you read letters like that. I've seen letters like that and I, I've written a letter like that it, it didn't sound that eloquent. It didn't Um but I know that feeling and it's incredible that after all this time how powerful that comes through man. It was that's awesome
0: As you and, and, and this is another thing that you and I were talking about These lessons that exists in history in literature and and it's funny because It's it's things that are written by privates. It's things that are written by corporals It's things that are written by majors and colonels and generals and it's things that are written by emperors and it's things that are written by conscripts and everything in between and Every time I every time I even that right there it's like I get another angle to Appreciate and to realize and then you start you know you start I'll cover Bella Wood on this Podcast For sure, but I mean when you read about Bellawood at all it was just savage battle. Yeah Savage battle. I mean there's one Medal of Honor uh, for, a, for a guy that just, His buddy didn't have his gas mask so he took off his own gas mask and gave it to him and then and then died I mean it's 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 unbelievable and so You were telling me you kind of opened back up the history books the war books. Yeah, I
1: used to, certainly as a kid and and early in my career, I, I would read military history all the time. I mean, some of it was an assignment. You know, we'd become a lieutenant in the Marine Corps, and there's a kind of a reading list that you want to go through. And you do some of it kind of, they call it professional military education, PME. Uh, but I used to be really interested in it, and i just kind of do it on my own. A lot of it was aviation-centric. Um, but I got away from it. And for the latter half of my career, I didn't do military history at all. Uh, it wasn't... Um, it just wasn't something that really captivated me and In the last year and a half or so uh, <laughs> Partially now not partially mostly because of this podcast. I've actually gone back and reread some of the books and and you And I've talked about a lot of different ones um, With the old breed mm. Eugene Sledge so that was a book I read a long time ago, and it was it was incredible book very powerful but I went back and reread that book uh, a little while back and I had stopped thinking and paying attention to uh, the meanings I was I was I was almost paying attention to the chronology in the past okay this is happening here this is the lesson learned and this is the movement and it was all kind of very sanitary and I lost what it meant to hear their stories and I used to read them and I think I just try to pay attention to what happened And not really learn as much from him uh, or from them. And and I've read more in the last year than I had in honestly Jock probably the previous five, (laughs) if not more. Um, And I'm reading all the time. And I'm and and once you start sort of digging into that world, there's there's more books than I could ever read in my entire life. Absolutely, everywhere. Um, And it has renewed the way I. I the how much I read, but it's also changed the way I read and it's been a really good experience for me. I've learned a lot in the last year.
0: The uh and this is another thing I talked to you about as we were we were talking about this subject the other day and I brought up this quote from Musashi. Yeah. And and the quote is if you know the way broadly, you will see it in everything. Yeah. And to me, that is what makes that is what has um I guess recalibrated reading for me is that when you start seeing all these connections yeah. and everything and and part of it quite frankly comes from the fact that I wrote a book that is about this subject and once you go that deep in it it's like okay now I start seeing it everywhere and I mean even it kind of all started it, it, it definitely all started with about face for me yeah. with, with about face for me when I was in Iraq and I knew I knew About Face was a great book. This is this is on my second on my first deployment, my book was with the old breed, as a matter of fact. That was my book. Yeah. And I thought, okay, but it was so disconnected. It was such a stretch. I mean, my first deployment to Iraq was absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) nothing like with the old breed, other the fact that we were American. Right. Like the similarities (laughs) ended there. Right? It was nothing like with the old breed. Nothing. You know other than in my mind, okay? Well, these are horrible things that are happening you just it was really hard to make that connection I'll tell you what though our deployment to Ramadi the similarities between Ramadi and and about face were incredible not just you know one of the things that hit me right out of the gate is When Hackworth gets to Vietnam and those guys are getting killed and they're getting killed by sniper fire Indirect fire and booby traps right which we now call IDs for whatever reason and that one section of the book where they've taken hundred like a hundred something casualties and they've and they've They've contacted the enemy zero yeah, times not Enemy, it's an enemy killed zero and I'm thinking to myself This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare and that nightmare It shows itself over and over and over again and what's so hard is And I'll tell you where it hit me again. It hit me again on On Lewis puller when Lewis puller is rotating between the three different sections and one of them was called Riviera mm-hmm. and He's saying every time they go into Riviera They take wounded or they take killed and on top of that they don't ever see the enemy and I'm thinking to myself It's maddening right yeah. it's maddening when you look back and you're detached, which we're detached now, and I don't know if culture's different I don't know if our culture's different I don't know if we value human life more I don't know that, but when you read it it's maddening to think about that, and you could see that like hackworth he he, he didn't like that he didn't like that at all, and that was all that was. <laughs> I think maybe it was you that told me when I had Jim Mukuyama on and or or a couple people told me they were like you sounded giddy (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh, I said well yes I was giddy and and here I was but it was very interesting to go and talk to Mukiyama because what was interesting to me is you you there's the there's the public persona of some guy that was in the military right Right. there's the public persona of some guy that was in the military myself included you all of us there's that public persona of oh this is what this guy's perceived as but then there's like okay what about all the people that served with that person what do they really think yeah and what was Hackworth really like and so going to meet Mook I was very curious now I had read an interview with him where I I knew that he had these very he held him in the highest esteem. Yeah, that he was a so real it, deal. It didn't come as a surprise to me, but still, it was it was incredible that the perception that I had of Hackworth was accurate. It was accurate, and when you, talk, when, you when you when you heard Mook talk about it, when he said we called them Mister Infantry, <laughs> I I I was just thinking to myself, is there anything Cooler in the world than to be known throughout the army as mr. Infantry. Yeah You,
1: you said something that 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 jumped out at me a little bit you, you were just talking about you know is is Culture different or is, is something different So let me just say this a little bit because you know I've even thought a little bit about why do I see things differently than I used to what why have I evolved in a certain way? So did I spend 23 years in the Marine Corps? 23 years as a u.s. Marine and a whole bunch of years just wanting to be a Marine I Was in Ramadi for seven months, so if you just kind of do the math, it's just not a lot of time Mm -hmm. Everything I think about every leadership uh, Lesson every when I hear you talk about a book when I read a book when I think all of those things the frame of reference I had the thing I think about is those seven months and had I not had those seven months of, and look, Ramadi obviously was, it could it was a maddening place. It was crazy. Um, but if I didn't have that, I don't think I would be able to appreciate or understand. And without that frame of reference, without that understanding of some connection to that, it actually makes it difficult. And I would have never guessed it if I were to tell you, hey, I'm going to look back at my 23 year career and all those things. I heard you listen to my bio. It's always strange to hear someone read it out. The, the the the, most powerful thing in that was seven months in Ramadi. That's the thing that outshines all of it because of what you just described, because of that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's that, that, that culture is different or society is different or we have different values or we value human life dif- differently. But without the frame of reference, it can be hard to capture. But if you... Start to think of it in 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 a different way, and that's sort of what that that quote means And I know this is kind of a deep thought, but That's you see things differently, and you think about things that and you start to see things You didn't even know were there before and that's why when I went back and read look I have read a book and I read the exact same book again and to see and hear and understand things differently the same time on a book that was and for me for me It was with the old read. That was the book that sort of hit me square I got to go to Okinawa I got to walk that ground that and to go back and reread that book recently and have it seem so different That has really stuck with me and 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 that was sort of the reason why I got back into reading the, some of them The same books and some some are different But there is something about that perspective that changes you and I would have never guessed that throughout my career uh, Always wanted to be a pilot. That's all I ever really wanted mm. to do. That I would sort of define my experience based on those seven months and how that influenced everything that I see now.
0: And and the weird thing is about Ramadi is when you compare Ramadi to Peleliu, <laughs> or you compare Ramadi to Okinawa, you pro- compare Ramadi to Normandy, you compare Ramadi to you compare Ramadi to those places, and our experience was just. It just pales. It just absolutely pales. Yeah. You, you and
1: I have talked about this a lot. Um, you actually sent me, a, I think you sent me a text or, or an email a couple weeks ago. You're like, hey, do me a favor. Um, just verify I got this right. I wanted to just make sure I got your combat experience um, in, in your first deployment correct. And it was that I, I, I was in combat in Iraq. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah, no, you got it all right. I, I, I dropped a bomb. That was my
0: com- That was a legitimate combat experience. That's, that's before, that's pre-9-11. Yeah, pre-9-11. You and were one of the few guys with combat, combat experience. yeah. Which I, meant you had dropped a bomb. A bomb. Singular.
1: And I and the thought wasn't just how ridiculous that sounds, but I thought, I don't ever want Charlie Plummer, Bill Reeder to hear me say that. Yeah. I don't want them to, I was almost embarrassed and... And even like you said Ramadi which for me which was sort of like the World Series and the Super Bowl combined into one like the most powerful yeah. thing and With the old breed since we've been talking about that yeah. you talk about the Battle of Okinawa and what they endured I Mean it is so humbling And and almost honestly man doubt Ryan, a little embarrassing to try to share the same experience we saw that with Tom Fife, and I remember Tom Fife was on the podcast, mm-hmm. and he was so grateful for—he for, was thanking me for what we had done and, and what we accomplished, and I'm thinking, this is a man that has a purple heart from World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, and he's thanking me for what I did. And, um, you know, that's, that's a frame of reference that I think is important and, and something the podcast does is so extremely well is it gives those guys a chance to sh- share that story that, that, that otherwise they wouldn't get a chance to.
0: Is there a way to get? I, I'm trying to figure out what I was missing, right? I was trying to. Fi- I'm trying to figure out what. H- how can you get uh, somebody that's a 18 year old corporal to read a book with the perspective, the, with the right perspective? Is that possible?
1: An 18 year old Dave Burke? It wasn't possible. I can tell you <laughs> that for sure. It wasn't, um, and. I don't know if that, if that's the case. But I, I do know that if you get an 18-year-old, Dave Burke, 18 year old, anybody to, to start to read and start to think about it, that actually builds over time. And that creates some sort of foundation that I think with time and perspective, you can actually reach those re- reach that. But there's no way at that age, no matter what you said, no matter how articulate you were, no matter how powerful the story was, I don't think you're reaching me and and, and I don't mean that to be um, Discouraging but I, I think that's that's a hard lesson. I think you know for, for certainly what I was going through at that time in my life
0: It's just uh, not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna yeah, it's weird too because what you're focused on when you're 18 Yeah, that, and you read with the old breed you're like like I, I remember my earliest memories of with the old breed Are these guys were ripping people's gold teeth out with pliers? You're thinking, "Whoa, that's crazy!" Like that's the big that's that's probably the big takeaway from my first read when I was whatever years old. (laughs) Yep, of with the old breed, it's you
1: you see it for the things that seem not real, and you're like, "Man, that is incredible, and that is awesome!" and um. I also think that goes to you talked about a lot that that sort of that feeling of invincibility too when you're young and that like immune to not just the physical risks, not just the potential of getting hurt or getting injured or getting shot or some of those worse things, but the mental and emotional risks that go along with experiencing that. um, That's a really hard lesson. Now, the other side of that is, you know, when I deployed to Ramadi, almost everybody on my team was a first deployment, brand new, young U.S. Marine. Um, you met Marcos Perez. He came to the, yeah. uh, the muster. You know, th- he was a young kid, uh, and you walk in there, sort of with this kind of this bulletproof approach, and uh, it, it's not how it is when you leave. It's yeah. not the same, and, and and in some ways, like you said, the, the scale is is different than a. <laughs> than a Peleliu or a Guadalcanal or any of those things you know that, that we just talked about. But when it's happening to you, it's, it could be a single round, a single mortar, a single shot, a single wound if it's happening to you. It sort of feels like the it's happening to the whole world. It's really uh, impactful and that's probably why if I look back at my career, the thing that's the most powerful experience that I had that sort of outshines everything by by so much is is that time in Ramadi because I was exposed to things that I never saw as a pilot and never would have seen had I not been on that deployment
0: You know what I was, I was thinking so w- one of the things and I remember probably I don't know if it was 10 or 15 podcasts deep into into this podcast. I remember Saying during one of the podcasts and, and I've said it a few times along the way. I remember saying that these people That I'm talking about in these books. They're not characters. Yeah, These are people and I think at some point for me that transition in my brain Happened where I was saying to myself These are these are people and I think I got a little bit of it in my platoon commander tour Because you know there was hey it was it was a good solid deployment Was there risk sure there was risk it wasn't super high risk. I had I had a great crew of guys But you know there was there was stress and there was Personalities and you start to see that when you read about a guy and you think I kind of know that guy Just I just know him a little bit I just know him a little bit and and you start to realize that those people in these books they're real people and I think that for me was a huge leap between Connecting me to the text that I was reading, and I'll tell you another thing. And straight up, voice. When I started thinking about reading these things, when I started reading these aloud, when I started reading them and hearing them in my own headset, like on the podcast, that was an impact. And and now it's happened. It happened with Bill Reader. It happened with Jody Mittick It happened when these guys come on here and they hear me read what they wrote, and it hits them. And so that's another part of it, too. There's an element when you read that's missing. There's an element of voice that is just more powerful. It's just more powerful. And I remember when I read The Forgotten Highlander. When I read that book, I read it on the plane, coming back, calling a guy over in Scotland, a buddy of mine who I'd done some work with. He gave me this book, and he, I was on podcast 11, and he goes, Hey, you got to check out this book. I won't try and do his Scottish accent. Plus, he's a mumbler. He's like, "You go check out this book, mate." And so he gives me this book, and I'm sort of thinking, "Okay, you know, I, I just, I wasn't sure, but I had made a, enough of a enough of a leap in my brain that when I started reading that book, I said to myself, "Wow, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a really powerful podcast." So I read the book. So then when we come, this is podcast number twelve. When we came, when I came in to record it. I Thought yeah, this is gonna be really heavy But when I read it it was like I was getting hit in the head with with a sledgehammer And that's the first podcast that when I got to the end of the book I actually didn't know what to say because what do you say? What do you say about a guy that what do you say about a guy that that? That put maggots on his flesh to eat away the dead flesh What what do you say about that? What do you say about that? And so that's the first podcast where I said When I got done with it the next time I did a podcast that was heavy like that I knew that I had to get myself somewhere to go I had to give myself some thought about how am I gonna make this? How how does this become? Something how do I how do I get out of this hole because that's what that's what you're doing And so there's a level of that as well when you hear like when you hear a hardcore history podcast Great storytelling, but he's reading quotes from people But it's so much more powerful when you hear it audibly and we you know people say that about extreme ownership too. people say Oh, yeah, I love that book And this and we'll say you got to get the audiobook, audio book because it's Leif and I reading it And you can hear I mean how much is communicated in the tone of voice. There's a lot
1: When you said earlier about the the audible piece of that When you finished my first podcast, so when I was on, uh, we were talking about this is almost a year and a half ago now, you know, April, I think of last year, I guess. You finished with a letter that Kat wrote to Chris. Now, I I didn't know, we hadn't discussed that and I didn't know how it was going to finish and, uh, you know, we spent all that time, you know, talking about me and my experiences and things like that. I knew that letter very well. I have a copy of that letter and I've read that letter several times. I had never read that letter out loud to myself. I never read it 10 minutes. I've shared it, you know, with Whitney and, and I've shared that letter. Hearing you say a letter that I knew almost line by line, I know that letter really well, made that letter like I'd never heard it before. And I remember, look, it's hard to hear it because I, it's Chris and it's hard for me because that's a really Im- impactful thing, very emotional thing. And that is a... That's a crusher for me, man. I know you understand that, but I had never heard it out loud. And in there's a book I'm reading now that I have read the preface of the book, which is only about three pages, kind of to explain. I've read it out loud to myself like five times. And it it's it's something that I overlooked the impact of hearing it as opposed to reading it. And I read the book. It's a really cool book. I think I sent you a this book's awesome. You should check it out. I read the, the the preface out loud to myself, and having read it three or four times already, hearing it, it was like reading it for the first time. The the voice that you give that makes it makes the words become real, like a like that mm-hmm. person who wrote the book is saying out out loud, and that difference there, it's not subtle, it's huge, it's a huge huge thing that that. It's one of the great things about when people do it, when they do it on podcasts and you're putting somebody else's voice into action. Most of the time we're reading books by people that are long gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're telling stories that nobody would ever hear. And even if you read them, it misses something. And I, and I think the power of that is huge. And it brought me right back to our last podcast, which was you sitting right where you are reading Cat's letter to Chris. And as like I said, like i had never heard it before. It was it, it, it's a totally
0: different level. You know what uh, podcasts Was another podcast that that sort of it, it caught me was uh, one soldiers war by um, Arcady and That part in the end of that podcast where? Uh, it's again. It, that was podcast number 18 and he's 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 quoting these wounded soldiers that were sitting begging for money basically and He's talking about how this guy is saying if I Would kill all these he's talking about this this soldiers talking about everyone on the streets in Moscow He says I would kill every one of these people to bring back my brothers You're reading this going good God That is a powerful powerful book. Did you see him in the news recently? No, he Faked his own death. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes all these people we well, talked about they, it, yeah they hit,
0: it, they hit me up on social media, and I was oh man. What a tragedy. Yeah, and Yeah, I was totally bummed out and then sure enough. He had faked his yeah. own death. He had even fooled his wife He yeah. didn't tell his wife That's that takes a lot of courage. He's a courageous guy already But yeah to fake your death and not give your wife a heads up about it <laughs> That's that's hardcore that that's problematic. Yeah, and and that that
1: feeling to it's one thing to sort of have that feeling, but to be willing to express that feeling that I would do that to all of these people. That is that's a that's saying a lot, man. I mean, that is deep to to. I mean, I've had some pretty hardcore thoughts certainly in my time. Like, nah, I'm probably not going to share that one. Uh, but to put it out there, you know, I mean, that's that gets to the core of of just how how much people feel. From those experiences, just how powerful those feelings are.
0: And those guys had no mercy. Those those Russian soldiers, they had no mercy. It was that that part where he's talking about the sergeants beat the corporals, the the captains beat the sergeants, the majors beat the captains. Yeah, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, it's just a complete nightmare. It, it makes you
1: wonder how any of that is is makes any of it remotely functional. Like, how does that system function at all under that setting, under that environment? How could anybody at the bottom of that Hierarchy be willing to go do any of the things they went and did You know you, you're talking about you know th- this thing from from Bella Wood they they literally know Most of you are going to die we're going to charge across open fields into machine guns We use that example at echelon front as something that you would never do And that's what they were doing I mean borderline just human waves if we do it enough we're gonna get 50 75 yards of terrain out of it We're gonna move the line forward a hundred yards and we're gonna send wave after wave after wave to and and guys left and right like this is borderline a death sentence Um, what <laughs> What people are capable of doing in under those environments is is unreal sometimes
0: world war one It just is it's just
1: You know, you know what's funny? is that I say that about everyone, every war. So the world war, like, unbelievable. And then you, you talk about Napoleon and, like, nothing like that. And then I read the book on the Coldest uh, War or mm. uh, Colder Than Hell. Colder I'm than like, hell. N- nothing like that. Like, th- there is there is something that has happened in every one of the stories you've talked about where I think, how is that possible? Mm. And they all have their own unique thing about them that just seems unreal. I'm, I'm going to throw on an orange vest and mark my position in thirty below, so you can see me so you know where
0: I am because I'm the leader because I'm the
1: leader and you Kurt Lee. It, yeah, yeah
0: yeah unreal that being said, World war one I, no I, I i don't I don't know that that I don't know that that is out there I, the the complete lack of control that you had as a Individual soldier yeah as a not not, even as a a platoon commander as a company commander You had no control over your fate. That's that's what That's what scares me so much about World War one It wasn't like hey Jocko. Here's 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 the situation. Here's what we're trying to accomplish Why don't you go figure out the best way to do it and I go okay? You know what cool I can do this we can we can come up with some cool tactics We can make some stuff happen. It was hey tomorrow morning at 0600 uh, fourteen thousand of us are going to go at zero six hundred, and then guess what's going to happen at zero six fifteen? Another fourteen thousand. Yeah. And guess what's going to happen at zero six thirty? Another fourteen thousand. And guess what? A vast majority of them are going to be wounded or killed, mm-hmm. and that's that. So that that to me, and yeah. and I'll tell you what, I, they call that the war to end all wars. I think if there would have been internet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> photographers yep. Instagram Twitter YouTube that might have been the last war right that might have been the last war if you were and It's not if you saw that as a leader because I'm just talking when I think about it, I think about it like you're a general And you're in charge and you organize this big operation and then you you give the execute order and then 22,000 men Are killed in the first 24 hours who does that yeah who does that now and this is this is a dichotomy because are there situations where people have done operations and are there situations at war that it's like hey guess what we are gonna do this mission and we don't have a real good chance of coming back and that's the way it is yeah and it's a strategic piece of the mission and does that happen could that happen absolutely and Do people in the military sign up for that would I sign up for that if that was what was required well? Yeah? That's what we signed up for But as has a leader like that to be sitting there looking at 25,000 men and you gained you know 75 yards of mud And and you know what you go. Okay, that was bad. We're not gonna do that again No, 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 you know what you say. Yeah. You know what we'll do it harder, right? We'll do it harder Which is which is what makes me? uh it makes that war to me just absolutely sickening and yeah. it's it's sickening
1: it is it, it absolutely is and the calculus that goes into that is something that is completely disconnected from the value of human life completely disconnected of what that impact is and then you you read this letter and that's 14,000 moms on that one wave, mm-hmm. that one time, that's fourteen thousand of these letters, mm-hmm. and uh, the disconnect of of human life. Um, yeah, it's 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 actually hard, kind of hard to fathom. You, you talked about you know, yeah, the high risk operation. You know, th- we're going to go in uh, I- I- into the worst p- possible citrus because yep. yeah, and you know what? We all kind of secretly would say, hey, if that opportunity, I, I, I'm going to volunteer yep. for that. You know, the high risk. But as as that's just how we do operations
0: all the time. Yeah. That's just what we do Yeah, no That's uh, that's uh That's actually a nightmare. Yeah In the other thing with World War one Right like World War two you're looking at Nazis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you're and looking and at the Imperial, Imperial Japanese, Japanese Army and you're thinking we've got real bad guys here we got legit bad guys that's that's a factor too right it, it Germany World War one it's like oh yeah we wanted a little extra land who's that land for? you know what I talk about what you know we, we, we work with companies and I say so okay CEO says ah, you know my frontline troops aren't doing what they're supposed to do and it's affecting our bottom line and you know I say oh well we got to explain to them why it's important. Right, and so then the CEO goes down and says, "Hey, you guys need to do a better job on the front lines so that the company can be more profitable." And the front-line people are like, "We don't care if the (laughs) company's more profitable. (laughs) That doesn't that doesn't matter to me. I'm making seventeen bucks an hour. Making (laughs) seventeen bucks an hour, and I got a wife, and I got a kid, and I got a basketball game tonight, and I got a mortgage, and I got a house payment. The company being profitable makes no difference to me whatsoever." Yeah. So imagine now you're World War One, and you're gonna get. An extra fourteen miles of land—that's the goal—to get fourteen miles of land in some country, and and it's not for you; it's for like the government. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's absolutely—it's
1: atrocious. Yeah, and and when you're sending U.S. Marines across the Atlantic Ocean to get engaged in <sighs> that war, it, like to keep Germany from encroaching a little bit too far west
0: you in, know in France. <laughs> in
1: France yeah
0: let
1: yeah. me yeah. The, yeah the why doesn't you know that doesn't that doesn't resonate
0: have I have I ever talked about do I don't know if I've talked about have I ever talked about the white flower thing they did in in Britain the white flower So if you were like a able-bodied young man uh, if you were a military age male yeah and and you weren't wearing a uniform and you weren't like fighting, Women would come up and give you a white flower. It was the mark of shame Shame. and the government started that campaign (laughs) Yeah, the government started that campaign of hey you see you see someone that's not in uniform military-age male Able-bodied fighting man you go up and give him a white flower. He's a coward I'm, I'm prepping a book right now for the podcast and actually a couple books, but it's a nightmare because what they're doing is they're they're executing British soldiers that have that 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 desert or run away or have shell-shock. Yeah, they're just dysfunctional They they can't do it anymore, yeah. and it's it's awful some of the stories These guys are soldiers that have been on the line for a year and they break Yeah, they break which everyone um Dick Winters talks about people brave. The bravest guys yet yeah, they might break, and you got to get them off the line. Hackworth, same thing. You got brave guys. Sometimes you got to get them off the line. World War One. We got a British soldier. He's been fighting for a year in the trenches. He's been getting mortared. He's been getting bombed. He says, "I can't do this anymore." Okay, we're gonna shoot you at dawn, and they did it. Yeah. That's another thing. It's completely insane.
1: Yeah. It, it, we use the analogy a lot. We talk about this on front. And like, hey, it, it, your folks, when you're pushing your folks too hard, it's like it's like driving a car in the red. You, you're you running this car in the red. You're running them hard. And if you keep them in the red too long, that car is going to break. That engine is going to break. Now, you can you can push to the red a little bit. You can kind of throttle up and, and and do that, and then you got to bring it back. And that's sort of one of the leader's job is to sort of pay attention to that. This is the idea of, like, I'm going to run my car in the red until my car explodes, and then I'm going to be mad at the car. I'm going to blame the car. Uh, and the the disconnect of, the, and we like you said that the disconnect of the impact of the human being that 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 that's what leaders are supposed to do. That's their job, is to. And Dick Winters had that. He talked about the idea of like, hey, when when somebody puts their head in their hands, that's mm-hmm. they a physical. They're literally showing you, hey man, I'm I'm breaking right now, and the willingness to just say. Go do it again and then get to the point like I can't, and then go, We're done with you. We don't have any more use for you anymore. Yeah. Um, That's hard to comprehend.
0: It's hard to comprehend. I'm, but like I said, I'm prepping these books. It's awful to read them. It's awful to read them. Some of them are the quotes from the soldiers that were chosen to be the executioners. Right. I mean, what's that? What's that? I Remember I started one podcast off of that was like these soldiers were picked to go this this kid had been in the army For a couple weeks, and he had to go shoot a deserter. That was just one of his first assignments What the hell yeah, so? there's some kind of a Some some kind of uh, you know do we value human life more now? That's the question I think the answer if you compare today compared to world war one the answer is 100% yes, Without a doubt yes, 100% yes, we
1: do we do in the military we do and we do everywhere. I think we absolutely do Uh, You got a nice long history of Podcasts that are just sort of soul-crushing, you know You've you've hit some real home runs there with some some (laughs) podcasts you're like wow that is that is hard but you know what the reason that we hold human life in greater value now is because of that is because of those stories is because this letter I mean there's that, that that small piece of having to understand that we are here because of where we came from we are here because of what we did and what we endured and that's not to say we won't go back to do that again. That doesn't mean that we can't end up back in that place but those those stories that that legacy of that just crazy impossible to understand how you can do that to that many people and just say that's just how we do business. That's just what we do um we have come a long way and i think we've moved in the right direction now th- there is a piece that when people go to war people die oh yeah you know yeah. that's and we we can't get to a place or to a point or, or to a belief in our society where that is not acceptable that it's that is not something we're willing to have happened or in order for us to be successful that that is not okay to get to point that Any loss of life or any injury or any sacrifice is not okay you, We can't get to that point. So Overshooting that uh, is not good either um, I wouldn't use world war one as a benchmark, you know, that's just it's not even close, but the reality is is that That's not just how war is but that's actually necessary and that's a as a leader that's a huge burden. That's a huge burden. And the burden is to balance the the responsibility that you have to do everything to ensure that doesn't happen to your people knowing full well, knowing full well that it will. And I'll be really dude, I'll be really honest with you. I did not when I went to Iraq I did not really grasp that it might happen to my guys I just didn't and I'm I just didn't give it enough thought that the risk was actually gonna end up with me and my guys and that Chris was gonna get killed and I look back on that as a leader and I I should have thought about that more I should have prepared for that more And I should have known what that meant more than I did. And the reality is, is that anybody in this business that goes to combat in any shape or form has to be prepared for that and to recognize that that is what happens in combat and that your job as a leader is to do everything you can to prevent it, knowing full well that that is going to happen. That's what happens.
0: How long did it take you once you were on the ground in Ramadi?
1: not long so so the the sledgehammer for me sir i mean i will never forget the day i'll never forget june 20th ever the sledgehammer for me was the first day i got there the guy that i was replacing got in a humvee hit an id now, he, 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 he was wounded, but he broke both of his legs in a Humvee that I was supposed to take from him. We were supposed to do the turnover of that Humvee. I ended up obviously not getting that vehicle because it got blown up. But it was a major in the Marine Corps. And it was like majors and a major aviator in the Marine Corps got blown up by an IED. So I, I got up to speed very quickly. And that place had an ability to get you. To be aware of the reality of it very fast, so I think I got there very fast day one something happened But the anticipation of that getting there that was kind of a sledgehammer for me.
0: What about in reading reports when you were going in? so I I, We talked about this last time my best friend was in Ramadi. Neil.
1: Yeah, Neil Neil was in Ramadi in in 3rd battalion 7th Marines so so make no mistake Jocko I I Objectively understood what was going on. I mean, I I, I was aware I knew I was getting myself into when I asked to go on that fact tour to Ramadi but the disconnect was What it, it meant
0: it's sort of like the same disconnect that we were talking about when you read these books Yeah, like you're reading reports, but you're you're not there mentally. Well look I,
1: Combat for me was dropping a bomb In Iraq, you know, in Afghanistan was a a certainly more aggressive experience for me. You know, it was a lot more regular pace Um, There was certainly some risk involved Um, But you've talked about the first combat experience on this podcast a lot. We've talked about just the first combat experience as well I I did not Really get it until I saw it And, and and actually in some ways you could say I didn't get it till I heard it You know the sounds of combat what it really sounds like to have a bullet go past your head so close that you can actually sort of gauge how close it was to your head and whether it was closer to the guy next to you three feet away or closer to you, who was the sniper actually looking. I've had those thoughts. I know you have too. So the sights, the sounds of that, um, it's just it, its hard to replicate. And I've actually been envious you've talked about the training that you did for your guys at task unit bruiser and some mm-hmm. of the things you did I didn't do a lot of those things, mm-hmm. you know And I and I showed up and like this is no criticism. I'm not I'm not throwing a hit on anybody This is just the way it was I got to that de- That that unit that I deployed with I, I showed up in October. I did some training uh, I kind of really joined the unit in earnest in like January and I was in Ramadi in February mm-hmm. We kind of you sort of laughed at me last time <laughs> I, I, I shot my rifle in training once I, I BZO'd, I, I, I oriented my, my sights on my rifle when I got to Ramadi, you know, and that, that uh, training range they had just on the outside and, and made sure my sights were in good shape before I went out on my first patrol the next day. So, in a lot of ways, I was just kind of in over my head with what that was, and then... On that deployment, it that's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, and it happened. So I, there was, you know, that's the sort of the the, the trial by fire story. I mean, it, that's what it was for me. But I, I will say this: um, I got up to speed quickly in the re, the recognition, the reality, and look, mm-hmm. people were, were were getting wounded, people were getting killed pretty regularly. That you could see, them, like, man, that's that's close. That's real. That's on a street I've been on. That's in a patrol I've done. That's mm-hmm. in an OP that I've manned. So, I, I, I got to that point very quickly and the lessons that I had grown up with as a leader, the way that I, I was as a leader, I was able to leverage that. They they still worked. Leadership and combat, it's, it's certainly more dynamic. It, it, it will certainly strike more fear in you, but the principles don't change. And I was old enough and mature enough and I had enough under my belt to say, Okay, I need to control this. I need to control how I react in this setting and I need to do what I do And I need to do the things that I know what I need to do uh, And I was lucky enough to be able to do that and, and keep my you know my wherewithal and not get overwhelmed by it And I saw guys get overwhelmed by it here and there It was a place that, that could do that to you, but I was able to fall back on Leadership principles how you lead in Marines
0: were you were, did you think mentally right the mental game of? being able to detach and be able to take a step back and be, as a fighter pilot did you just say, "Oh, this is what it's like as a fighter pilot. This is what it's like." Oh, I remember what it's like landing on an aircraft carrier. I'm going to be stressed out. Oh, I need to overcome that. Did you just apply the same mechanisms to? All right, now I'm going to be stepping foot on the battlefield, and this is how I need to apply the same mentality, the same mechanisms. I had enough experience with being
1: scared and controlling the fear that comes along with things that are scary, that it looked different, it smelled different, it sounded different, but the feeling was exactly the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, so
0: yeah, th- that's what I was yeah, like, like I said, that's why it's a softball Because yeah. I'm, I'm imagining that you know even even for us Okay, so let's say free fall like you're going to free fall well You're jumping out of an airplane, and I, I I was I thought I would be more scared the first time I jumped out of an airplane, but I was actually pretty pumped so that's not a great example But there's times in the SEAL teams where you do something in training where you're like, okay? This is a little bit sketch right this yeah. is a little bit sketch. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, uh, what do you do you do the same thing? You know, like, okay? This is what I'm gonna do. I've practiced it I've rehearsed it I'm gonna I'm gonna execute this thing and we're gonna make it happen yeah. and you learn how to do that So when you get in combat you have a protocol to follow to take that so if you're good now You know we see keep people that they, they they have the protocol and they aren't able to apply it to the situation Yeah,
1: I I, I never really freaked out when I was there The the reality was oh This is a lot closer to me than I thought it was gonna be the reality was it hit me harder than I expected and my preparation You know wasn't where it needed to be to to be ready for it But when I got there, I knew that feeling and I felt that several times in my career and the response to it is is it's all the same and one of the best things about Responding to those situations is that as a leader. You're really busy there's a lot to do. You you've got a lot going on, a lot of decisions you have to make, a lot of things you have to be aware of, and that's actually one of the best remedies for all that. And you know, it's probably really tough for someone really junior in the organization that may feel like he doesn't know what's going on, doesn't have a, a real sense of those things. I was never really bored. Yeah. You know what you I mean? You didn't have time to think <laughs> didn't about have it. a lot of time. Now, I, 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 I know the feeling. I've had it. I felt that feeling. And it's like, man, this is a lot different. I'm in a Humvee. I can't see things I'm used to being able to see. My situational awareness is different. How I gather information, all that is different because the environment is different. The feeling is the same and the response is the same. And like I said, I had the luxury, if you want to call it that, I was always busy. I always had stuff going on. I had yeah. always things to do. I never, I didn't just sit there and think, wow, this is terrifying and scary and I don't know what to do. It's, in the aftermath, I'd look back and go, man, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. You know, I remember, I have this very vivid memory of, of doing what we called them um, presence patrols. So we take a couple of Humvees and cruise around. And in this case, it was uh, the town, it was called Tamim, it was a little mm-hmm. town uh, in, in Ramadi there on the south side and just a nasty place, just not a good place. And a presence patrol is really just you're just waiting to get shot at, and we would weave in and out of of the the streets, and you know the buildings are two three stories high, and we pulled up to an intersection, and we're, we're the second vehicle in this two vehicle patrol, and the vehicle turns, and as soon as the vehicle yeah two vehicles get up yeah get some <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're number two let's get some the first vehicle makes a right hand turn, and as soon as he turns right, a guy with an RPG, uh, I can see him up you know uh, right at my twelve o'clock position, and it goes over the hood of our vehicle, hits the wall. It doesn't detonate, but I think I might have mentioned this before. And I'm just yelling, go, 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 go. Uh, and those are the stories that, in the after, when you look back in the after, I'm like, man, that was crazy. But at the time, you, you don't really spend a lot of time.
0: Yeah, you're saying you're. Yeah, you're you're like, like, go, oh, yeah go, you like, oh, you go to, to the right? From?
1: Hey, and you're on the radio. Hey, where's the other vehicle? Hey, this is what just ha- you, you're you're talking. You're communicating. You're doing all the things you're supposed to do. So you can look back on those things, and a lot of times I look back on, it, like, man, that was out of control. That was nuts. Or But during those times, even some of those, those terrifying experiences, I was just too busy to really worry about it. And I was making decisions. And, um, I think as a leader, that's, that's actually good because I don't want to sit there and think about all these things that are scaring me. I want to just respond to it and just make a decision and and do something. Um, and I actually had a lot of time in my career where I was, I got very comfortable making decisions in difficult environments very quickly. That's aviation in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I was able to adapt to that very quickly, and that's part of the reason why I was able to get through that that deployment the way that I did. You know, I had some decompression. We talked about that after after the fact, but not a lot while I was there.
0: Did you ever punch out of your aircraft? Did no. you ever eject? No. Is that just luck? Yeah, I mean,
1: some of it's beyond your control, and it's pretty rare. It doesn't happen yeah. all that often. Yeah. But not me. Thank <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Check. You know what one of the things you were talking when you were talking about You know will you basically went on a whole? Comment there about you know you got a you're in a situation going back to the original subject here as a leader You're in this situation where you're gonna take these guys that you care about and you're gonna do everything to protect and you're Regardless of how much you want to protect them there you're gonna put them in situations where they can get killed and that. That the the new book coming out the first chapter is called the ultimate dichotomy It's what it's called. It's the ultimate dichotomy, and there's a reason because that is the ultimate dichotomy There's no that for a leader as far as I'm concerned that is the absolute hardest thing that you have to deal with as a leader Yeah, the fact that you care about these guys It's your all you've been taught all you believe all you think all your 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 morals and your values are all these for these guys that are doing anything for you And you'll do anything for them and you know their families and you know their kids and it's like yeah, guess what? take all that and Now you're gonna send them on missions Where there is no doubt that they can get wounded or they can get killed
1: You you met Marcos at uh, At the muster we talked about him earlier and This is a kid that would have done Anything for me to this day, he would do anything for me. This is a kid that loves me. I love this kid too. And that's that feeling that is very hard to explain if you haven't gone through it, and it's very hard to describe how powerful that is. And every single day, I threw Marcos in the turret of my Humvee, mm-hmm. stuck his head up. You know, it was an armor Humvee, it was great, but at the end of the day, you know what the turret gunner has to do? He's gotta get his head up out of the turret, And man that 240 golf or 50 cal, whatever we had on that on any given day and stick his head out of that Humvee every single day. And I thought about that all the time, all the time. And it is exactly what you just described. This is someone that would have done anything for me. This is someone that I loved and would have done anything for. And every day it was get in the turret and let's go. That's What you do yeah, and you do everything you can to prepare them and everything you can to make sure it doesn't happen And the last thing you tell them is hey get up there. We got to go.
0: We got to go do this now Just can you even fathom? Can you even fathom that that happens and you do it for months and you do it for months and you do it for a year and Finally he says you know what I can't do this anymore, and then you said you know what okay? We're pressing charges against you you're going to court-martial. We find you guilty yeah. That's insane and,
1: and, and to take it a step further. We're gonna get somebody else in my unit to pull the trigger We're gonna get another guy from this unit from this battalion this from this team to follow through with that that order It's it's not actually no. I, I can't comprehend that. I can't understand that
0: um, I can't I can't either I Mean I'm like I said I'm doing a podcast about it in the near future. Yeah, but for the love of God That's a trajectory it's it's thank God uh, being in this time period.
1: Yeah, it, it, and and we could talk about this stuff for days. You've talked about it. We, you just the last podcast with the Imperial Japanese doing those experiments. We talked about the dehumanization. Mm-hmm. And look, obviously it's it's grotesque, but the dehumanization of your enemy, I I understand how that happens. I can I can understand yeah. that.
0: We you can know? get there. I, yeah, I, I can. I can, I can see how
1: people can get there. You know? Yeah, I can see that, and I know that. That I know the seeds of how that grows, and I know that feeling of how that feeling grows over time of yep. of that disdain and that dehumanization that. I said I would never have happened to me and I felt and I know that feeling so I, I, I My point is that
0: well if you've ever heard me say with our enemy We didn't really have to dehumanize them because they dehumanized themselves Because yeah. we saw what they did yep. We saw the acted yeah,
1: and what they did to the civilians. Did, yes to the civilians. totally. It's
0: absolutely you, you, you dehumanized yourselves and yeah, and you're gonna suffer the consequences of that.
1: Yep And so that's a bridge in my mind. I can cross I understand that I don't understand How you can get to a point where the value of the human life of your own men Is that you just discard them at the end like oh you're done got it line them up and That to me is kind of horrifying because I I had a small unit. I don't have a big unit and I certainly knew my guys pretty well And and maybe when you have a you know a huge unit of a bunch of unnamed people You don't build strong relationships with but at the end of the day they're wearing your uniform at the end of the day there they look sound talk and are just like you a lot of them come from the same place as you um, and that's really difficult to Accept that human beings are capable of doing that Like I said when, when it's your enemy or, or, or it's when it's someone that's different than you You, you at least can comprehend that and you see we've seen that in history, but your, your own guys um, That's that's a different level
0: It's a different time period yep so, going back to or not going back to, but going forward, right? You got out of the Marine Corps. And, I mean, obviously, we covered a little bit of this on the last podcast. We covered yeah. about, you know, what we did. We kind of read the text last time you were on the podcast of kind of wh- how the transition. You know, you got out. You came to an event with Leif and I, and we hung out. And you were thinking to yourself, "Yeah, this looks like uh, uh, what I want to do." Yeah, but. There's been more to it than that. <laughs> that You've kind of briefed me on a little bit.
1: Yeah How much time we got? <laughs> yeah, the, the there is there's a lot more to it um, The work that we do is awesome And I wrote you a letter uh, a Few several months ago now, but I, I wrote you a letter to kind of in some ways, you know Some ways like hey, thank you for bringing me part of this team and th- and and There was, you know, I wanted to express some some gratitude and I did that to everybody to to have been brought into something that that is really incredible and 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 I wanted that to be clear. But I also wanted to kind of explain what I was going through is as as part of the transition and what has hit me the hardest is not the things that I expected to happen that have happened and Look, some really good things have happened. This is an awesome company. We do great things, and I get to make an impact, and I love being a part of this. And I saw it, so I sort of expected to be able to do that and be a part of that, and and see the impact of that. Um, but I didn't give much thought at the time to how it was going to impact me, and what the impact of being a part of this would mean for for my growth and and for myself. I think we just talked about this earlier uh, today when. I get introduced at these events all the time and the, they read my bio sometimes and I hear the the, the words of what we're doing and everything and uh, what I've done and, and and I was at a point that I can look back and very easily think that I could have coasted I could have said hey I, I, I did some good work in the Marine Corps I got a really cool resume and I've kind of got it figured out I don't have that much more to learn and I'm going to kind of I'm going to glide I'm going to kind of just go straight level for a while and The biggest part of this transition for me is the recognition that what I have done to this point, what I accomplished as a Marine and and the things that I did as a pilot, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. Because if I cash in now and I check in the box and I'm done and and I coast from now, I'll define my life by having coasted for the rest of my life. And I wasn't really prepared for having to recognize of how much more there is for me to learn and how much more there is for me to do. Um, And that has been by far the best and the most humbling part (laughs) about this. And you got. You know me at this point you know me well enough that I'm not afraid to admit you know things that are kind of hard to admit I'm not afraid to kind of humble myself I'm not afraid to say wow I got that wrong uh, I didn't see that coming um, this transition has been way way more than I thought it was going to be uh, and in some ways has actually put me on my heels a little bit it's been a reminder that man I'm not even close to a To Doing the things that I want to do before I'm done. I'm not even close and it's that's a hard feeling. Sometimes. It's actually I Struggle that a little bit um, Because a lot of the times people around me tell tell me I've done great things and I hear that a lot and it's great to hear but I'm not even close man, and 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 that is something I struggle with every day and I work at every day, and I I have a lot a lot a lot to do
0: I don't think that you you didn't get to where you were without feeling that, right? Yeah, you, you don't get to you don't get to be you know the, all the things that you did in your big bio without saying without without having in the back of your mind like I need to do more and I need to do better, right? Yeah, that's true.
1: That that is true, but the magnitude of of it <laughs> it gets bigger over time. It doesn't get smaller. The magnitude continues to grow oh uh, you know, I know what this, is. <laughs>
0: this is like when you start jujitsu, jitsu yeah. and you're like well you know what give me a few weeks yeah, yeah, yeah you know probably let me a, figure this out <clears> right like two or three months I'll probably be tapping this yeah. guy out yeah and then no uh, two weeks into it you're going oh my god there's yeah. a whole nother thing here yeah that might be one of the best metaphors for it
1: you know that that yeah. that experience look the jujitsu jitsu thing started because and uh, on the podcast I was describing the last podcast I was describing flying to you I was, descri- I was describing dogfighting dog to riding, you yeah. you are like dude that sounds exactly like jiu-jitsu and that's kind of what sparked my interest was w- is there a way to kind of replicate those experiences that I had that I know I can't do in an airplane anymore mm-hmm. but can I can I replicate that in some other way and that was what was intriguing to me um, and that was what got me on the path of that but look I heard he said this I didn't think the magnitude of the Panic of oh god. I'm running out of time. I have so much more to do was gonna get bigger over time and That is sort of what like jujitsu is is yeah. and and I, I Again, I think we've had this conversation
0: <laughs> Well, I've made fun of you yeah. on this podcast when you weren't here yeah. of you be you know, you sent me a text like bro I'm, I'm <laughs> This is horrible. I'm like, oh what's what's going on you are like well I, I I'm never gonna be like really 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 good at jiu-jitsu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like, like, Hey, man, you're whatever you're 46 years old. You know yeah. get
1: good. Yeah. You know
0: get good. It's all good.
1: Yeah, no certainly um I, I think that the the message is and, and the lesson for me is is a reminder of, of something that I did know something I have known throughout my life of that feeling of the clock is running You're on the clock right now You don't know when that clocks gonna end but I'm gonna tell you right now, you're on it and every second that you're not Grinding on that clock you lose it and There's a point where complacency will try to sneak in the complacency will try to crawl up and go dude you've been crushing it look at what you've done and That voice can kind of get loud and it can kind of tell you like dude It's time to kind of turn the corner and coast a little bit kind of kind of glide just a little bit. You're good Um, and I think the best thing that's happened to me is that exposure to Echelon front exposure to 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 the to the team and exposure to Jiu-jitsu in a way of not like oh I'm gonna be some world champion and it's that bro The more you know the more you learn the less you actually know because Learning just means like oh there's more out there. Mm -hmm. So you go from one to two but what's available is hundred to a thousand, then you get to three, and a thousand turns into ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And jujitsu is infinite, and so every time I get to whatever the next step is, the next level, all it really does is is, is just somebody's opening door. And go, oh, it's actually bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's almost like you're getting worse, you know, if you do the math. Like I'm now <laughs> yeah. at level four out of a million. <laughs> you're like, you're you know, it's
0: like yesterday, there was only four moves yes. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And today there's forty moves I don't know. Yeah, and the other thing is from uh, from okay for our dog fighting in an aircraft right it seems like there would be some limitation
1: without a doubt okay I we and we haven't we you and I have not had this conversation but I've had those thoughts there absolutely absolutely is a limit there's only so many things that you can do yeah, yeah. Um, and that's actually not true
0: yeah you know and it, and in an aircraft you know just just by Constraints of time. I mean you can't you can't go up and dogfight for four hours a day every now You do that in Top Gun for for a few years But the opponents that you have well, I guess you're going against the other structure That's that's as good as you're gonna get yeah, but jiu-jitsu you can do that for 20 years
1: the the parallels are undeniable the parallels and you saw that right away you and I talked about that There's no question that has been the most intriguing thing for me is that it's I'm able to replicate those feelings but the unlimited nature of how of what's out there. If I had a guy in a hornet that I was going to go do BFM with, and he was, we were going to do these these maneuvers, and he'd be like, "I like to do this when I'm defensive," and it wasn't exactly what he's supposed to do. He was going to lose every single time. I'm like, "Oh, you, you're not going to do the best method in this situation. Mm-hmm. Good, I'm going to savage you."
0: Mm-hmm. Jiu jitsu is not it's like not that. It's not like
1: that. Yeah. It, it, there is no, this is what works and everything else is inferior. And we have the geometry, we have the math, we have the science, the physics, and we actually at Top Gun, through a ton of effort and trial and error, actually figure out this is what you need to do here. This is how you create the most amount of closure. These are all the things you do to maximize your aircraft. And so if somebody deviates from that, it's just better for you. That's uh, not true. Yeah, yeah it's
0: not. There's I mean, yeah. like no. It's been so broken down and so studied that there's no possibility that someone could come up with something and go, "Oh, I came up with something new." No, it's not
1: happening. Nope, not happening. And <laughs> and when yeah, you're a when you're a Top Gun, when you're a Top Gun, I would love to somebody to try something new. Yeah, 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 yeah. go for it. Yeah, yeah, do, do your worst. Do come up with your best game plan because. I know what you need to do in this situation and if you don't do that you're just giving me opportunity yeah. That's what you're doing
0: and so there is a level of that in jujitsu where you know the are oh, they're gonna put your arms up There's all that you're gonna give up your back and there's all these things that you can't do but for instance Jeffy Glover he'll give up his back and then he's r- rolling away from you or yeah Dean Lister He's the, you're getting him in a triangle you think and then you're getting your guard passed yeah. you're getting smashed so there's there's times where the things that you it don't expect someone to do they do and it's problematic.
1: Yeah, and, and I want to be very careful I, I'm I'm so new at this that I almost should not have be telling you what I think I know about this but the glide path to get from seeing the inside of an f-18 for the first time mm-hmm. to being right at the very apex of that community Six seven years
0: oh really yeah
1: about seven years from, I'm going to introduce you to this airplane. Now You know, you know how to fly, but now I'm going to introduce you to a combat aircraft mm-hmm. for the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. A real combat machine. You're going to get in that thing. I got there in 1998. First time I sat foot in an F-18. I got to Top Gun in 2000, uh, uh, 2002. I left in 2005. So I would say I was kind of at my apex in 2005. Wow. So from 98 to 05, that's how long it took me. To be at the top of, of of that world am I gonna be, can you imagine like the best guys in jiu jitsu the guys that have been doing it for five to six years
0: yeah well there well what you'd have to do is you there's some anomalies out there yeah there's guys that are incredibly incredible natural athletes and also you'd have to take someone and say okay this is your job because that that's was your all, job yeah, yeah that's a big piece hey this is your job and that happens some kids get into jiu-jitsu and they're like oh I'm gonna sleep on the mat all I'm gonna do is train BJ Penn got his black belt and did well. Did he win the worlds in after three know. years? I don't know. I don't I think so. But you know, in three years, got his black belt, and he was a legit black belt. Yeah. Someone was asking on social media the other day, "Hey, is this guy legit?" Yeah. He's he seems to have gotten his black belt. Got his black belt from Donner. <laughs> Yeah. In a short period of time.
2: Oh, you mean the judo uh, Olympian, <laughs> Olympic uh, silver medalist? Judo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah he sim- might
0: have some skills. Yeah, he might be able to get up there pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, for that answer, yes, that yeah. dude is legit. You can yes. get your black belt. You can get your back black belt pretty quickly if you have a bunch of natural talent. Maybe you have some kind of base wrestling, judo, something like that, mm-hmm. and then you make it your job. Yeah, you can get your you can get really good really fast.
2: Yeah. But yeah, basically, if your mind is like addicted to it in one way or another, and then you have some prerequisites, like you know the the Geo and yeah the yeah the Martinez brothers, they had breakdancing,
0: yeah. but a lot of the yeah, same yeah. stuff, yeah. you know,
2: and that kind of went along with their style. I think I
0: black. would go so far as to say, this is a, this is a, a guess. I would go so far as to say that most people that have their black belt in jujitsu were in the obsessed mode at some at point some in their point. life. Makes sense. I'm yeah. that's what I'm gonna say.
2: Sure. I cannot disagree with
0: that. Right? I think yeah, have you, you right. ever known so. someone that's a black belt that, that was not at least for a period oh, yeah. of three years was just that's all they thought about? I don't know of any no. Yeah, they they were just into jiu-jitsu real mm-hmm. hardcore. Yeah. That's true. And then maybe they grew out of a little bit or some whatever. People, yeah. Some that's people that's just it. keep training. Training yeah. hard <laughs> That's how it is mm-hmm. One of the things that you did uh, And this is going I, I hate to cycle back to the podcast again, but I'm gonna do it real quick because I had a I had a note about it And it's something that you and I've talked about several times when Tom Fife came on the podcast Purple Heart or, You know served in World War two Korea Vietnam Purple Heart World War two Korea Vietnam battalion commander in World War, or in Vietnam, Vietnam. Uh, company commander in Korea, and I think tank platoon commander in World War Two. Tank platoon commander in World War Two. So, if that's your resume, what's up? Or,
1: or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, engineer in, in World yeah, War Two. Yeah, that's where he was. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so, so there's his resume. But it was really interesting. So when he came on the podcast, and we were talking about you know leadership and stuff like that. And he gives this answer of, we were talking around the subject of, you know, how do you get someone, how, you know, how do you get your people to listen to you, and he says, hey, you tell them to do it and they do it. And I remember you and I talking afterwards. It was like, man, that was not a. That was not a Jocko answer yep. of like hey, you know hey listen you got to build a relationship with people you gotta you gotta get their trust you Gotta earn their respect you gotta you gotta treat them how you want to be treated and then If you explain to them why the mission is important and they believe in the mission and they know that you're gonna back them up Then they're gonna back you up when you need them to do something like I got this whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's this big problem, it's this big uh, uh dance you gotta go through as a leader and and I think to myself, yeah, I've I've got this figured out. And so he goes, No, I tell people to do it. And I'm like, man. That's kind of that's kind of a bummer. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I'm gonna tell Echo to edit that out, right? <laughs> just kidding. But then this was the cool part yeah. was then he he continued to talk about it. And he gave just the most perfect answer, the things that everything that we say all the time, everything that we talk about Echelon Front, everything that, that I talk about on this podcast. He gave, he gave it all. Yeah, he, he, he really just
1: did it in reverse order of conversations that we have. We explain sometimes that in, in really challenging environments, sometimes you gotta just say, hey, go make this happen. And you gotta have your people say, roger that and they go make it happen. You, you gotta be able to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the only way for that to work in those really demanding, difficult, challenging environments is to go way back before <laughs> and build all those relationships and create all that trust and do all those things so when people go, Dave just said, go make this happen. We're going to go make it happen. We'll ask questions later. He just went to that part because th- I almost set it up for that because the question I was asking him was, how do you get a guy to jump out of your tank under fire yeah. to fix the turret? And in his mind, that's the like, there's
0: rounds hitting, hitting the, the tank. tank. yeah, Ping, ping, yeah. ping, ping, ping. And the, the tank track falls off and someone's got to get out there and yeah. fix it. And he goes to the junior guy and he's like, you got to get out there and fix it. And
1: so... It was he just did that whole thing in reverse order. He went to that part and then, and I remember thinking like, man, that's kind of a bummer answer. I, I really wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I was like, you just tell him what to do, yeah. And why then, didn't that work for me? Yeah, <laughs> huh. uh, I might have to change the way. I, yeah. So when he started to go, and I remember that feeling of like, oh, he, and now he's starting to explain, and I yeah. looked at you a couple times like, yeah. and he did the whole thing, and he 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 speaks very plain language too. And he just sort of distilled it all down as like, you have to take care of your people. Mm -hmm. You have to treat your people well. And if you do, they will do the same for you. And if you don't, guess what? When you say jump out of the tank under
0: fire, they're going to say no. Yeah, that was the best part is when he actually came all the way back around and said, if you just think you're just going to tell someone (laughs) to get out of a tank under fire and they don't believe in what's going on and they don't trust you and you haven't taken care of them, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Every time
1: I hear all the people you've had on the podcast, I know the stories are different, but they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing in their own little nuanced way, their own little experience, but it's always the same thing. And that was of all of them my favorite because I got to know Tom before the podcast and we got to to talk quite a bit. uh, And I got to to spend time with him before we went live on that recording. Um, So I enjoyed that one the most but it's everybody's saying the same
0: thing. Yeah. Mook made a huge point about that, about caring about your people. Yeah. You got to care about your people. Again, these are guys that were that were leading draftees, yeah. Vietnam draftees. And I, and I went off on this at the event <laughs> we were at the other day, <laughs> is there any more hostile workforce in in the Okay, maybe not in the history of the world, but is there this is right up there you've got guys that have been because it's you know If you're in World War II and you get drafted guess what the country's behind yeah, the war it's World War II. you You're gonna yeah. be a hero you believe you're, you're fighting against Nazis or ja- Imperial Japanese that are evil humans and You're on board for the big win we get that that's what happens Korea like not quite so clear But guess what we still even remember World War two so guess what we're gonna go get in the game Yeah, Vietnam They Straight-up don't believe in the war they just straight-up don't believe in the war they're there against their will Under threat of prison They show up there and these are the people you're in charge of and this is the answer I give all the time now for when people ask me about millennials Millennials. people are like oh, you know we we got Millennials and they got a bad attitude Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, really the the Millennials have a bad attitude compare that to a Drafted Vietnam Soldier and here's the thing that I realized because and and when I pulled up when I started going through hack again uh, About face again, and I started reading that I Realized that you got to change your perspective as a leader It's not just it's not just hey because we simplified it like well if your Millennials aren't doing what you want It's your fault. That's that's a simplification of it because what you really got to do is You got to shift your mindset a little bit and say Like what wait a second how do I take advantage of that's what hackworth was doing hackworth was saying wait a second How do I take advantage of these guys guess what they're gonna question me if I do something wrong They're gonna report things that aren't done correctly. They're gonna say no if I plan something stupid. Is that a bad thing? Let me think about it actually no that's actually not a bad thing So if you've got a millennial that's like hey if I don't like the leadership here I'm leaving the company guess what let's get that person some good leadership you got a millennial that says hey if I don't understand why we're doing what we're doing I don't I don't care I'm not gonna do it okay well let's explain to that person why so they have a full understanding of what it is we're trying to get done you shift your your mindset a little bit about the whole deal and you end up in a much better position but it's a perspective shift yeah you it, it's the same thing we always say of it's not just take ownership of it so it's if you if you say oh my Millennials aren't doing what I need them to do that's my fault That Doesn't make them to start doing what you need them to do you actually have to make changes in your leadership style to Adapt to this attitude that's coming your way and at the end of the day if you do that you'll have someone that's smart that's Motivated that will get on board with the program and will do a great job Yeah, just like a draft just like a draftee and when when we see it in in leaders
1: all the time they they present it like (laughs) Can't lead these people. This is unsolvable problem. It is a problem that, and we're we're going downhill at, at at supersonic speeds. And when you do what you just said, and try to change that perspective, and then put it in comparison to the story of the draftees, they're almost a little embarrassed. Like, yeah. oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's one of those answers. When I give that answer, I I I, I have to soften it a little bit because I just can't hit <laughs> people with a baseball out, yeah. bat. Like, hey, these guys were taking. I don't I don't throw this in their face of like hey these guys were taking draftees that didn't even believe in the war yeah. and we're gonna get killed yeah you're like hey you're asking someone to stay late on a Tuesday night yeah <laughs> that's what you're asking for yeah they were asking them to patrol through a mine ridden jungle right not to mention this person is actually
1: interviewed at your company applied for a job <laughs> wants to be there Yeah, there, there's a clear difference in generations something to think about but nobody forced this person to join your team under threat yeah, of under prison. prison Yeah, and you see that in the, the 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 when the recognition hits you can see it of like, oh Yeah, no, you're right. This, this actually is a very solvable problem. It just takes some work on my part. Yeah um, and I mean I that's true with everything.
0: Yeah, we got I mean we obviously we have all kinds of companies out there that we work with now and their Workforce is now becoming all Millennials right I mean, they their frontline people right now at a company The frontline people are all Millennials. And so if you don't figure this out Who who are you gonna hire? Yeah, <laughs> who are you gonna hire? I mean, it's like being in Vietnam you you were gonna have draftees if you don't figure that out and And that's the other thing is you hear the bad leaders F- from Vietnam, that was that will say, "Oh, the draftees were horrible. I couldn't work with them. They yep. were, you know, they didn't do, want to do their job." It's like, well, maybe you should look in the mirror a little bit. Yeah,
1: and, and that the 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 best part about that is when you asked same thing w- with Tom Fife. Yep, because he's like, "That's all. That's all we ever had." It's almost <laughs> yeah, like he didn't right. understand the yeah, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah, just, that was our military back then <laughs> yeah, yeah. when I was in the, in the when he was in the army. Uh, it was <laughs> like I I didn't. I couldn't tell you who was a draftee and yep. who wasn't. I didn't. I didn't know the difference. They, I, they're people. Yeah, they're human beings. Yeah, and I treated them like that. And so, the just the idea that you would segregate those two—the draftees and the and and the, the volunteer military—was immediate indication of what kind of leader you had. Yeah, and these guys were like, I don't. Uh, first of all, I don't understand the question. All we had was draftees at the time. We everybody was being drafted. And second, uh, didn't matter to me. Yeah. they didn't care. I didn't care. We had a mission to do. I explained them the impact and the importance of the mission. Told them their role in that mission and what would happen if they did or didn't do it. I cared about them, and we just did it. And that's my favorite part about Tom Fife is he's he's just a plain-spoken guy. He doesn't have this really flowery, articulate language. He's like, "Oh yeah, no, I treated my people really well, and when I asked them to do stuff, they did it."
0: That's kind of that's kind of it. That's a pretty awesome leadership uh, advice. It is treat your people really well, and when the time comes that you need to do something that they need to do something for you? They're going to do they're it. They're going to do it. Take care of your people and your people are going to take care of you. Yeah. We just said it about our gear. Take care of your, take gear, your, gear, your gear, gear. Take, take your yeah, gear. Same things. Take care of your people. How about how about we start with that one? Yeah. And then your people are going to take care of you too.
1: Yeah. We I think we we forget those lessons sometimes, you know, we like we're it's it's human capital. It's like no, they're they're people. They're just people. <laughs> it's Just treat them like people treat them like you would treat anybody else. And, you know, some of those fundamental lessons, you know, across leadership, I think in a lot of ways, I was lucky to 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 see that modeled early in my career. Uh, And and I think a lot of times we end up on the path of of who we're following on day one and and they can take you down the wrong road if you got the wrong people. Um, But when you see it in other people and they treat you that way and that feeling of, oh, this guy, this guy really cares about me. This guy really is invested in me being successful and me having a good good life and a good career. It's it's not hard to recognize. Like, oh, that that's how that's what I should do. Yeah. And the exact opposite is true. And like, when you, the people and I've worked for people that I dis- despised, and I despised because of how they treated me, how they treated other people, and it's very evident. Like, just
0: don't be like that. Yeah. It doesn't work. I'll be in a group with of leaders. You know. We're doing to working with a company. I've done this many times where I'll set it up with hey Who here has had someone in your life as that would that that was in charge of you that? Invested in you and took care of you raise your hand and everyone raises their hand and or 99% yeah. of the people will raise their hand if not a hundred percent of people raise their hand because that's you know Usually we're talking to leaders in a company and so the leaders have made progress somehow and they've made progress because someone at some point taught them and took them under their wing and cared about them. And I, you know, so I say, who who's had someone that cared about them and invested in them and took care of them, took care of you? And so everyone raises their hand. And how did that feel? And everyone says, yeah, hey, it felt awesome. But what would you do for that leader? I'd do anything for him. Why don't you be that leader then? Why don't you be that leader and take care of those people properly? And you'll end up with a team that'll do anything for you. Not for selfish reasons, because they'll see right through that. Yep you You've got to be doing it for the team when you want the team to do well, then they'll do anything for you,
1: yeah, I think that's a really important lesson for any leader out there for for leadership in general is how obvious what you're doing is to other people <laughs> <laughs> and whatever thing you're trying to hide or whatever thing you're trying to cover up yeah. or or something you're trying everybody to mask everybody
0: sees right everybody through sees it, right. yeah,
1: everybody sees right through it and you know, we ask the same question as, okay, what would you want your subordinates to do to you? Come up and say, it's not my fault. I didn't have anything, mm-hmm. and you, it, this isn't this isn't my fault. I couldn't do anything about it. You didn't set me up to win. Or would you like someone to walk up and say, hey, boss, I screwed this up. There's a couple of things I could have done differently. Here's what I learned. And you know what? I'm going to do this next time, and I'm going to get this right, and I'm going to fix this. And you said those two so really obvious two different scenarios, and you ask him later, what would you like to have from your subordinates? 100% of the people are gonna go I want the guy that comes in and says hey, it's my fault I'm gonna mm-hmm. fix his zone is super obvious and then the very next question is Why aren't you doing that with your boss? Mm-hmm. why do you not think that your boss is having the same feeling as you would have with your subordinates yeah. and that recognition of
0: Everybody sees exactly what you're yeah. doing. That's uncomfortable for people. Yeah, the uncomfortable part is it's hard for people to, I guess I guess we think that if you're my boss, I think you're not as smart as me, and I think, well, he's just going to blame me when I come in and say it's my fault. You're going to go, yeah, I know. That's why I'm firing yeah. you. <laughs> the reality, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. no, you, people are smarter than that, yeah. and and no one wants to hear excuses. Yep. No one wants to hear excuses. Yeah. I think you know what? Sometimes people screw things up so bad that they're going to get fired. Yeah.
1: I, I was just gonna say that, like,
0: and guess what? If you go in and make excuses, guess what? You're, you're definitely gonna get fired. fired. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you're gonna take whatever limited chance of maybe salvaging that yeah. at the last second. Of like, hey, boss, yeah. hang on, let me just. If you do, that you're just guaranteeing the outcome. Yeah. Leif yeah. talks
0: about that when he was the XO at at a SEAL team, and he he says, you know, he'd get a guy that was something was going wrong in a platoon, and a guy would come in and say. You know, it's not my fault. My chief's no good, or my 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 LPO doesn't know what he's doing. it Like, okay, you're fired. Yeah. And the next guy comes in and says, "Hey, I'm not doing a good job as a leader. Here's the things I'm going to change." Like, okay, yeah. We'll, we'll let keep working on it. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know if I can help you out. Let's get you the support you need. Yeah. That's that's a no That's extreme ownership. Duh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we would we would have boards sometimes for
1: for pilots. You know, performance boards, and and we would review a lot of material. And a lot of times, you'd. You would have to fire somebody. I mean don't like doing it, but in, in aviation you know, it's, it's a lot of times It's their whole it's the dream we, same thing with the teams like you, they dreamed about this as a kid And you, you know yep. that you are ending their life's dream.
0: Dream crusher. Yeah
1: dream crusher you, You're gonna you're gonna do a, that and
0: not to mention uh, Paycheck gone. Yeah, well like for officers in the SEAL teams a lot of times it's, or retirement or whatever. It's it's a bad situation Yeah, it, it's
1: it's massive impact. It's a huge deal to do that and you, you take that very seriously when you're in a position where you're going to you're going to be one of the deciding factors in whether that person stays or goes. Anytime you get to that point where you your mind like, hey, the best thing is to get rid of this guy. And if you bring him in for this, or that final interview, that final interaction, the guarantee way to seal your fate, the guarantee way to ensure what they've already kind of concluded, because that's why they're bringing you in in the first place. Is to not take any responsibility to not take any ownership that is 100% guaranteed now It doesn't mean that you might just not be able to you might not have the technical skills or the capability Sometimes you're gonna get fired and and sometimes your mistake is so egregious and does so much damage Yeah, you got to go you're gonna get fired. You're gonna get fired, but even then (laughs) the the best thing you can do the best thing you can do is to take ownership of all that and be like hey boss I Understand I'm sorry Or you can go the other route and you can start to throw everybody under the bus and
0: and you know what? This is what's interesting. There are some people and I've talked to many of them over the years many of them They don't make that connection. They literally don't make that connection They don't make the connection. They're looking at their boss and they're saying hey this wasn't my fault It was my Whoever it was, my subordinate leader, it was the maintenance guy, it was this, it was that. They literally don't make the connection that if you're in charge of something or you're responsible for something and it goes wrong, you're responsible for it. Yeah. And they cannot make that connection. You feel like you're, you you just I, I I would watch when we would have a bad seal platoon going through my training, and I'd bring in a a, a, a platoon commander or a platoon chief, and. They would literally like like an assault chief. So the guy is in charge of the assault. He's in charge of the assault, and it's like, hey, all your men went to the wrong target. What happened? Well, it was briefed wrong. Well, it was this. Well, we marked the target wasn't marked correctly. The battle maps. I mean, literally, just you could come up with twenty excuses. And you know what? They're all they all make sense. Like hey someone made someone put the wrong number on the brief and and everyone heard the wrong number And they looked at their battle map and they went to that building. Okay, that's what happened whose fault is it? It's not the guy that made the battle map. You're in charge. You're in charge of the assault team You're in charge of the assault team This is this is your fault and it would I would sometimes I would just actually I would hardly ever say this was your fault I would milk. I would try and milk it out of them. (laughs) I would be like, "So, well, well, I mean, but still, like, who is in charge of the assault?" If only we had a guy in charge of that process, and they'd say, (laughs) say, "Well, you know, I mean, even as the assault chief, you know, you can't expect the the, the guy to to be confirming that every single guy knows where the target is." Like, really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So you're not responsible for getting the men to the target, as the you're not responsible for the assault, as the assault chief is what I'm here. So it's really. Horrible when you see that someone can't make the connection Yeah, and what and and this is this is another cool thing like on social media I see this a lot guys will hit me up girls will hit me up Uh, Something went wrong with a client. I Stepped in I took ownership. They thanked me problem solved got it squared away I can't people are surprised people are surprised that it works People are surprised that it works and again just to make sure everybody knows it, that that alone doesn't work you still have to prob- solve the problem yeah. that you caused with the client right. right you 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 gave them what they needed late or it's going to be late and now you say hey it's my fault That Doesn't mean that you don't need to get it to him ASAP and make up some corrective measures and lower the price or Do something so that it makes up for the problem But the worst thing you can say is well You didn't specify exactly what you wanted in the order and therefore we couldn't get you what you wanted on time Okay, we're never coming back for business again And we're angry this whole time and I'm gonna short you money when we pay you in
1: anyways if
0: I pay you at all all.
1: Yeah, let's make it let's make it the customers and the clients fault Let's do that (laughs) and it gets back to something you said earlier about the, the the conversation about the Millennials is just for a minute, detach, just take a step back real quick and just put yourself in their position. What do they want to hear? What do they want to hear? This client that things went sideways, that it, what they needed from you didn't happen. They didn't get it delivered on time, it didn't work the way it was supposed to work, or worse, you gave it to something and it created a problem for their customers down the line. What do they want to hear from you right now? You are them, go. And the allergy that should come from hearing an excuse is the allergic reaction. To hearing someone tell you it's their fault, or or it's not it's not their fault. It's somebody else's fault. A hundred out of a hundred times, you should understand. And and the point is that it's that's still hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's still hard, and that bridge is is hard to cross. And reading the book isn't enough. It it sets the table. It exposed you to it, but I think it comes like with everything you. You have to get inside it. You have to live it. And but the thing of it is, is the first time you do it, the first time you do it, because it works every <laughs> single time. Once someone, once you get to that tipping point, once the the domino falls, I yeah. think it's then it's like magic. Then it's just things are just happening on their own. And All your people going no 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 no. this is this is definitely what we're gonna do here We're gonna tell them exactly what we did wrong how we're gonna solve the problem What we're gonna do to fix it and to make sure it doesn't happen again, and it deescalates the client is like oh man I was really hoping we could fight and yeah. argue and you're you not letting me this. do that now Because yeah. what you're saying is everything I actually really need to hear yeah. and I'm forced to say <sighs> Okay let's go solve this problem and When you see it from the inside out and you start to do it that tipping point it happens quick It just takes a lot of time to get there and there's so much resistance that human nature resistance to oh There there's no way. I'm taking the blame for this Mm -hmm. I've actually got a bunch of good reasons that I can give you a why it's not really my fault and I'm gonna kind of sell like hey boss You you know those guys aren't they're not they're not the best guys, you know, it's not the best team
0: Here's here's a here's a let's call it a drill or a, or a coaching I'll, I'll call it that a coaching when the next time you get into a situation and you write down or you take the, ex- the excuses and the reasons that you come up with look at them and then figure out how they were how those things were actually your fault and or how you could have prevented them because a lot of times it's like here's 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 one uh, hey boss we didn't get the mission accomplished because the weather Rolled in and we couldn't launch on the mission. That's that's the problem. Now we all know that we don't control the weather. So when you so you write the problem down, we failed the mission because we didn't control the weather. We we can't control the weather. That's why we failed the mission. That's my excuse. That's a that's a logical reason. It, there's that's that's a that's a legitimate excuse. But don't use it. What you do is you say, what could I have done? To have controlled the weather, okay, I know, okay, 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 wait, I can't control the weather. What could I have done? I could have come up with a contingency plan. I could have come up. We could have staged in a better place. So then you go to the boss and you say, "Look, boss, here's what happened. The weather went south, really bad. That was a problem, but it's a problem that I should have done a better job taking care of. What I should have done was I should have had a contingency plan." I Should have staged closer to the target area that I could have taken vehicles instead of helicopters That's my fault from now on I will absolutely have a secondary plan this won't happen again We can't control the weather, but we can control how we plan and how we execute and this won't happen again There you go, so you take the most outrageous thing that you know you can't control you figure out a way to control it and you take ownership of that thing and it's gonna it's gonna make your life so much better and by the way The next time you have a mission and you plan that contingency and you actually Execute and implement what you said you're gonna do guess what you will accomplish the mission There's a whole part of ownership that preempts the problem if you've got someone that knows if I know that I can make an excuse If I know that I can make an excuse then guess what I'm not gonna set things up properly if i don't set things up properly m- more often or more often than the other way i will fail to to execute what i'm supposed to execute if you have an excuse right same same thing with you as an individual human being if you as an individual human being if you got some excuses that you can throw out there that you can say i had no control over that then you know what you say okay what are my contingency plans? What could I have planned differently? Let's eliminate those excuses. Take ownership of your freaking life. Yeah,
1: and, and, and in that situation, too, when you're you're talking about this this example of the weather, and if you as a leader actually accept the excuse, like, hey, boss, <laughs> that, that storm rolled in and just crushed us, and you're like, yeah, 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 out of your control, there's no way we could have solved for this problem, it's unsolvable, what if you just guaranteed it will happen every single time the weather rolls in? Yeah. You set that in stone. It will never be different. The weather will crush you every single time. Or you could go, I don't know, look at your weather app and go, we got to go six hours early in stage mm-hmm. and we're going to walk in. And it works both ways. And if you accept those excuses, you're now getting like, that's a free pass for here or not. Ah, the weather is actually something we can't control. So that was now something that is okay. Mm-hmm. Why we fail. Um, yeah, it's. I understand that it's hard. I know that feeling, uh, and that, but when you see it get to the other side, and you see people doing like,
0: don't. So th- that was sort of like a, a turning point for me mentally, because as I as I grew up, and I said to myself, you know, well, I you know, I, I, I understood that I needed to, to take responsibility for what was happening, but the turning point for me came when I realized that no matter what happened. If I'm the guy in charge uh, if I'm the guy in charge we need to get this thing done that's the way it is and When you when you have that thought in your brain the preparation you do is so much more solid because there's no way out Yeah, there's no way out So you got to execute Yeah.
1: When when leaders see the world like that when they see it that way They just work until the problem gets solved They just do everything they need to do until they find a way To fix the problem, to solve it, Mm -hmm. and when they don't think like that, they there there are outlets, there are off ramps to be like, ah, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, and we used we call that the excuse matrix. (laughs) That's the word. You're like, oh, here comes the excuse matrix. Mm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and 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 then the other part of this you got to remember is this doesn't mean this doesn't mean that I'm gonna bang my head up against the wall 47 times. Yeah, to accomplish the mission. It's like, oh, guess what. Part of this is hey, I didn't plan it. Well. I made some mistakes. I Didn't calculate correctly and now we are not gonna get this done And that's the way it is And so I'm not saying you continue to beat your head against the wall 47 47 is the limit don't do 48 when you've done 48 you've gone too far You're not gonna get through the wall. Yeah. trust me if you can get through a wall It'll get through by the 47th headbutt after that it's not happening. So you gotta take a little uh, you gotta look for the alternate route. Yeah. So there's a difference. There's a difference between we're gonna get this done no matter what and we're gonna get this done no matter what. You <laughs> sometimes you gotta back off. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta reattack. No, That's the no way doubt. it is.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you gotta reassess your plan. And sometimes you gotta you gotta go a different direction. And win at all costs doesn't mean I'm going to charge that elevated machine gun desk through open ground. It wave after wave after wave. It means you're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to abandon the attack on that position, but you might actually do it a different way. And it may be like, my plan sucked. Here's all the things that I learned about my stupid plan. Anybody got else? An Maybe I can get some help. Hey, some, I, I've seen this before. This is what we did. That's a good idea. Let's do that plan. And... You know, we again we could talk about this for a long time, but I think that that natural tendency to be exposed as as someone who doesn't know something, to be exposed as someone who doesn't have all the answers, to be exposed as a leader who doesn't know everything. I'm gonna let you know in a little secret. Everybody already knows that. <laughs> Everybody knows that you don't know everything, and if you try to act like you do, it will make it ten times worse than just saying. I Actually, don't know what to do here or I made a mistake here when you make a mistake Everybody knows it your subordinates know it your peers know it your bosses know it and the worst thing you can do Is to tell them that you didn't
0: that's why being insecure in your leadership capabilities is a downward spiral because the more insecure you are the more you try and Manipulate and maintain everything and keep everything under your wraps and do everything your way and that's how it is so when you're insecure as a leader and that's another that's another thing that takes a little bit of a leap of faith that's another like progression that i personally made i personally made and i don't, i can't remember when but when i was like you know what it's okay it's okay i'm i'm not going to be i'm not the best in the world and everybody knows that and the more i try and act like that the more obvious that's going to be and the minute you say that, the minute you recognize that, people are going, hmm, okay. He might not be the best, but at least he knows that. As opposed to he's not the best and he thinks he is. That's a nightmare. Yeah, no one wants bad. to work for that that's guy.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the best part about what you just said is that that's something we all had to learn. That's something we all had to figure out at some point in our life. None of us were born like, oh, no. I knew all this at birth. <laughs> it's from these giant errors that we've made or giant yeah. mistakes or these giant realizations like I've been doing it wrong. Yeah. And everybody
0: has to figure that out. And the, and that right there, that is one of the most gratifying things about what we do now yeah. is that this gap that we talked about earlier, this little gap between like how do you read something You read something and then how do you get that thing out of it? How do you extract that vital piece of information that's in there? How do you do that? How do you tell look it looks like when you're a kid and you don't listen to your parents, right? You just how do you get how do you close that gap? And what's awesome about what we do now is that we get to close that gap with people we get I mean, I see it on a daily basis on a daily basis with the leaders that we work with, you get to see their eyes open up and you go, boom, they get it now. Everything we just talked about, which you know, which we had to learn over time and extrapolate from our experiences, and then on top of that, go through horrible situations where we failed as leaders, and we've figured out a way to say, look, here it is. Here's how it works, and to see people's eyes open up, and then to see the performance that's the best to see the performance go Through the roof as the leader and then of course when the leader starts doing well Then the leaders start doing well and when all the leaders start doing well guess what now we have a winning team
1: Yeah it, To emphasize what you said That eyes opening that's a literal thing yeah. like they it's not a <laughs> metaphor You look at them and when you finally get it to click when you when it their eyes actually open up and they sit up straight and they kind of sit back a little bit. And there is a moment, a physical moment where you recognize that they got it. And when you see that, and you can actually see that in an audience. When you're you're talking to a group, like maybe multiple leaders on a team and you're around a conference table and you're interacting and you bring up a particular example that they're dealing with, you lay out the different possible scenarios and the one that is obviously the right one and they go, "Oh, Oh my God when they get that, that feeling is unbelievable. Yep. It's the best part about this is when they get it, but
0: you literally see that happen. Yeah. Uh, and that is awesome. And that's, that for me, so when I, my last three years, when I was in the teams and I was working, running the training for the West Coast SEAL teams, and I got to see that. I got to see that with these young leaders and just, I remember, I'm just, it's, it's in my head right now, I gotta, I gotta tell this story, there's a young kid who I know who's an awesome guy, and I didn't really know him that well at the time But he was kind of like a pipe hitter in a platoon and there's total mayhem going on total chaos going on And I just like go over to him and like his you know his platoon commander was simulated dead and blah 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 And the uh, platoon chief was simulated dead, and the LPO wasn't making a call and this total chaos man And I walk over to him and I'm like hey, man And he's like yeah, and and I go hey, man, bro are you gonna do something about this right here and and that was all he needed to hear all he needed to hear was like that guy that was in charge of all this training was telling me like was asking me a question he was questioning me and saying are you gonna do something about this his eyes opened up and he Unleashed. said oh hell yes yeah. I am yeah. and boom he started stepped up started making calls and the whole the whole paradigm in the situation completely changed because he he stepped up and led. and so I got to see that then and I get to see it now. So that's a cool thing.
1: Yeah, it is. And the stories about my experience at Top Gun are are identical. And when when you go out on missions and they suck and you get savaged and it's just terrible, <laughs> guys come back and and they're miserable. Losing sucks man. It (laughs) sucks when you have this huge plan you go out there and you get savaged it sucks And then when you go through this whole thing and, and there's that recognition and they change the way They brief they change the way they train they change the way they do things with their guys and they go out And they come back and and when you dominate that feeling of coming back from a flight and you just dominated That's a really good feeling and so when when they do this and they start winning like you just described You got that team then they start winning Dude, then, then, then they are, then they are as They're running on your own. Then you get, as a leader, you get to back off, mm-hmm. like, and just get to watch them go dominate. That feeling of being successful when you implement these things as a leader, that's the best feeling in the world. And when you see that on for, from your ju- junior subordinates, from your subordinates, from your team, and you see them go do that, there is nothing better than that.
0: Yeah. And then you get, to, well, we get to see it. We see. I used to get to see it in a SEAL platoon. You get to see it start to take hold. Yeah. And, but echo, you've talked about this where I'm like, where you you know what I'm doing. Yes. Like like with you, you know what I'm doing. You sat here through hundreds of hours of me talking about how I'm gonna treat someone on my team. Yes, and you're like, you know what I'm doing, and it still, still works works. <laughs> yep, <100%. laughs> and what's yep. cool is when when you know what the person's doing, when you know what your your leader's doing, And it still works. Then you go, you know what? I'm going to do it too. And that's how it spreads throughout these organizations.
2: Yeah. Because, okay. So let's say, I don't know, uh, I make a mistake or something like that. And you say, hey, it's, you know, I should have done this little better. Right. So it's like obvious. Like uh, that's, that has never been your job. Not, you know, since whatever, whatever that may be. Right. So obviously I'm like, I know what you're doing. You're taking extreme ownership, you know, just so we can get the problems. I get it. But. <clears throat> to me what i felt was not what you're doing but what you're not doing you're not telling me hey what's up with this you know hey why did you make that you're not you're not attacking me so so I have to be defensive, you know. Yeah. You're, you're not doing that,
0: so yeah. I'm just not defensive. I see what you're doing, the whole thing, but who cares? <laughs> I, I
2: don't have to defend myself, so whatever. I'll yeah. be like, okay, all right. And let's you, do what it. you want
0: to do is get it done, whatever the thing is. We
2: all want to get it done. Yeah. That's the thing. We all want to, even like with your wife. That's a, that's a huge one. So the, you guys always talk in, in context of business and mm-hmm. you know the boss and the subordinates, whatever. Same exact thing with your wife. Same thing, even though it feels like n- counterintuitive, you know, you're you're you you had all this stuff to do that you're doing for her by the way and you didn't take out the trash I don't know I'm not saying that happened to me I'm not saying it didn't happen to me but, <laughs> but you didn't take out the trash meanwhile you did literally from the moment you woke up to, to that moment you got uh, you know accused or whatever <laughs> um you did stuff for her right you could have done that hypothetically <clears throat> you hurt her saying, hey, you know, you, you you didn't take out the trash. All those feelings in your mind and your heart is to, it's not to be like, you're right, I should have done that. It's not to say that. It's to say the opposite. Yeah. That's like, so, I did all this other stuff yeah. for you. So, <laughs> it's
0: like, to,
2: the, <laughs> to the point where it's overwhelming. Overwhelming, like I will not and cannot bring myself to say, you're right, you're right about that. But if you can manage to do that, You'd be baffled how easy how good it works It works, yeah, but yeah, it's it's what you're not doing I think like if you know like I see what you're doing. I see Mm. you're doing there using your little chocolate tricks all this stuff (laughs) That's not the influential part. The influential part is what you're not doing. You
0: know Uh, It's so funny now because everyone I deal with now Every single person that I deal with on any level on any um, On any depth at all They all know all my little tricks as you call them. They all know every every person. I'm involved with knows them all Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah cool.
2: I'll go even one further with this guy He'll go he'll it's almost like he'll double do it to the point where it's a joke insulting you and you think it's funny (laughs) Yet you're still not so he'll be like I don't know whatever Let's say I didn't press record on the thing forgot. We'll just say never done that before May or may not have ever done that before, but he'll be like, "Hey, you're right. You know, I should I should have double and triple checked that thing. You know, I mean, it's wherever there, but I still totally could have. You know, so obvious. He's throwing it in your face. You know that it's not his fault. <laughs> but he's like going through the motions, almost like like kind con- kind of condescending. You know, but it's so funny because that's the rule kind of thing. So it's like. He's he's blaming you but he's not really officially blaming you and it's this joke, but it still works. That's the thing, you know? So, cuz it's all just one big a joke you know, there. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, the whole recording is trashed by the way cuz it didn't even happen. But yeah, you're not defensive because it's just, you know, it's like,
0: well, and I I'll, and I'll say this, the reason why it works, quote unquote, the reason it works is a reason it works with the people that I deal with in my life from my family to my business partners across the board. The reason that it works is because I'm not doing it for me that, that's the big difference so if you're out there and you're thinking oh cool I'm gonna learn these tactics so I can I can get further in my life and I can get things out of the world it's like no it's, it's not gonna work out well for you yeah. on the surface because I'm gonna tell you what you got to take that one step further because guess what if this is the this is the amazing thing if what you're doing is your focus on taking care of the team taking care of your people Doing the right thing for the right reasons. Mm. And you're and you think to yourself, So if you're listening to this right now, going, Well, I really wanna I really want to get ahead.
2: Yeah.
0: And Jocko just said, I'm not gonna get ahead if I if I put myself to get ahead, then it's not gonna work. Mm. So this isn't for me. Here's the here's the dichotomy in this thing. And it's a huge dichotomy. If you're there. And you're in a leadership position or you're just in a position you're in a relationship whatever and you're doing things for the team you're trying to take care of the others you're putting other people above you in the end you're going to win and you're gonna win way bigger than you could if you were clawing and scratching and ripping things and bringing them back to yourself. In the end. That person that thinks that thinks that they're doing the right thing, or, or thinks that they're doing something good for themselves, but what they're really doing is taking things from other people. That person, they might get a couple of tactical victories along the way, but in the end, the person that puts everyone else first is going to win. They are going to win. So it's it's kind of hypocritical because it's like in the one hand. It's like no. I don't care about myself mm-hmm. I'm not trying to improve. I'm not tr- trying to improve my station in life But by doing that you will improve your station in life and you will improve your station in life beyond Anything that you could have done if your goal was to improve your station in life you
2: know, it's true.
0: That's good stuff right there.
2: Yes, here It is
0: take note of that one. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We've been going we've been on two hours right now Any other major topics that you want to bring up tonight?
1: It works especially with your wife <laughs> <laughs> Not also with your wife, but especially with your wife. Yeah, and so it should just be habit that anytime she says you didn't do this it actually she's right you didn't yeah and just be like you're right yeah. i didn't yeah i have learned that lesson yeah a few times
2: yeah and and again this is going to sound obvious but it's one of those things you got to kind of consciously remember especially if you're with your wife with someone you're with every day or really really often the part yeah you take it you take ownership, you know, you take responsibility, but then you actually do have to actually solve the problem. Because yep. if you're like, hey, you're right, I didn't take out that trash, you know, I, I mean, you know, uh, it won't happen again. And then tomorrow, same thing, tomorrow, same thing, next week, same thing, same thing. Then you just sort of become the husband that doesn't take out the trash and, yeah. and just says, yeah, it's my fault kind of thing.
1: And you, you become the, hey, that's my bad. Okay. Yeah, my bad. Hey, my bad. My B. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. And then that's all you do is say that it's on me. Yeah. Um, And
2: and, so, yeah, so don't, I mean, obviously don't be like, no, well, why don't you trick take out the trash once in a while? Kind of thing. uh, You know, obviously don't say that. Um, But you actually do have to take out the trash.
0: You do. Problems get solved. See,
2: I learned that from Jocko.
0: All right. That's a good one. And Dave, obviously, thank you for coming on again. Thanks for your service in the Marine Corps and for everything you've done for America. It's always an honor to have known you, to have worked with you, and it's an honor to be working with you right now. And I actually want to close out this conversation with another letter. And it's also written by that same, that same young, articulate, even poetic Marine Corps machine gunner, Saul Segal, who wrote. The Letter that opened this podcast and this one is written to the cousin of one of his comrades one of his comrades named James Trowbridge and The cousin Did not know what happened to her cousin corporal Trowbridge who had gone missing in World War one and She didn't know what happened to him and so This is another letter written after the end of the war it's dated February 18th 1920 and it reads my dear Miss Trowbridge my old sergeant major Clifford has written me and has enclosed a copy of your letter to him in which you request information concerning your cousin corporal James H Trowbridge it is Indeed unfortunate that his family should be left so uncertain concerning his sad end I know that it has been the cause of great concern with you I am sorry too that I had not known of this before for I was the last of his friends to see him alive Though Sergeant Clifford wrote me January 16th I have been out adventuring in the oil fields of northern Texas and I've only lately ventured back into civilization. Your letter was forwarded to me from my home in Ohio and I received it tonight and am taking this first occasion to answer it. I hope it will clear up Jim's case if there's anything I can do in the future any service I can perform any advice I can offer to Jim's folks I will be at their service at all times we who have survived this hell on earth count it the least we can do to console the sorrowing mothers and families of our dead comrades in arms I still remember when I first met Jim it was in Bella woods on the 13th of June we were making ready for the attack when replacements arrived to fill up our broken ranks Jim was assigned to my gun crew and the way he went over the top like the brave soldier he always was and his subsequent actions made me his proud friend and comrade to the day he went west I still remember one night on guard with Jim in the little hole alongside the night held an eerie stillness a night fit for such a hell hole I was deathly tired and though there was no wire only an empty space between the Germans and us I slept and Jim like the good pal he was kept watch until the officer of the watch came by when he awakened me that I might not be shot for sleeping at my post it was for deeds like that that every man in the company idolized him and I can assure you that Jim Trowbridge's name and memory will forever be held in reverence by the survivors of the 23rd company so many men were wounded and left us then came back during the battles that followed Bella woods to the last phase of the Argon Drive that I must confess ignorance as to whether Jim was or not you see Jim was assigned to a crew of his own and a machine gun of his own and on the battle line the number one and number ten gun may be in the same company yet they are a world apart each carries on and knows that the other is carrying on, and so the battle is won. Yet I dimly remember that Jim was either gassed or wounded in the Champagne Drive in which the 2nd Division captured Mont Blanc Ridge. It began on October 2nd, 1918. Jim came back to us. Before the last phase the Argonne Drive which began on November 1st 1918 through the mud and rain and fog we pushed forward over the top that glorious day the second division leading the whole army we captured every piece of Boche field artillery white hot they were and we sent the Germans scurrying back and broke their invincible line to bits my company suffered terribly in dead and wounded yet we carried on hungry and tired and facing the everlasting hail of bullets and shells we pushed forward for six days battling steadily the 6th of November rose dismally I remember passing Jim by the roadside and he gave me a cheery hail then he followed up the rear we went forward and the boche began shelling us as the last of the column came up I heard from them that Jim's crew had rested once again by the roadside none of us were strong we had not eaten in days a great shell had exploded and had killed and wounded all of Jim's crew Jim had had a foot torn off by a flying fragment there was death and destruction all about I volunteered to help carry a wounded man back to the first aid station there was Jim lying on the blanketed floor I knelt down to speak to him I marked that his face was already drawn with pain and that he was gray from long exposure and loss of blood He said Saul old pal I'm dying good luck to you old man I tried to cheer him up but to no avail on the battlefield one knows when death approaches that is all I know for a few hours later I was knocked out myself Yet I doubt not that Jim went west to home and to mother soon after Whether Jim died and was buried in the village a few miles south of Sedan, in the Ardennes department Or whether he survived until he reached a hospital. I do not know You can find out by writing the graves registration bureau at Washington That he is gone I am reasonably sure I would advise his family to harbor no unfounded hopes in his safety it is with deep regret that I ask yours and Jim's mother's pardon for my heartless and brutal description of this story my experiences on the battlefield have caused me to use other than tender words that might soothe the broken-hearted mother Believe me, nevertheless, that I grieve with her for her son and my comrade. And believe me, too, that I stand ready to do all in my power to assist her in any possible way. It is hard, I know, yet, at such a cost, has liberty and democracy survived. Except my dear Miss Trowbridge, the assurance of my profound respect. Most sincerely, Saul Siegel. So, liberty and democracy. Survived. But at such a cost. And so many bore that cost. The fighting that Saul Segal writes about was part of the Meuse Argonne offensive, it was part of the Hundred Days Offensive that brought the war to an end. And while bringing the war to the end it cost the lives of twenty six thousand two hundred and seventy seven Americans and corporal James Trowbridge was one of those Americans he died around the 6th of November 1918 and as we know the armistice was signed and the war ended just five days later on november 11th 1918 war is hell and the cost of liberty and the cost of democracy is immense and i started this podcast we were talking about that quote the quote that says when you know the way broadly you see it in everything well in that vein I think that if you know the cost broadly if you know the cost of freedom then you see it and you appreciate it in everything in everything that we have been given especially our most precious gift and that is freedom And I think that's all I've got for tonight And I think at this point echo if you want to uh, (coughs) Maybe give us an opportunity to decompress or Sure, maybe We could help you talk about how we can take advantage, take advantage of the freedom that we have yes, sir
2: cool we'll do both okay but uh, and su- support yourself too by the way, Dave Burke. <coughs> so first we'll talk about origin I know a little bit of a rough transition because you know, yeah that's, that's how because that's a
0: that's a letter right there, yeah again. 20. What now he's so now he's 22. So that's 1920. He's 22 years old, Dave. Yeah,
1: mm. unreal.
0: Yeah, you. I tried to figure out what happened to him like, what, what, where, where he went. Did he take over like a big company? He must have done something awesome. Saul Seagal,
2: Seagal, Seagal.
0: Yeah, it's S E G E L L.
2: Segal. Siegel. Seagull?
0: He
1: should have yeah. become a writer. Yeah, he should have absolutely become a writer.
2: Maybe he was. Yeah, you uh, uh, You know, you read these letters and again, you say this all the time, but you kind of ha- can't help but remember, especially this kind of letters, that like this actual person. Mm. It's not just some cool letter, you know, mm. kind of thing. It's like this actual person writing this letter to an actual person. Just yeah, like
0: about a- an Ooh. actual person. Yeah. About James Trowbridge.
2: <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Alright, well, I guess we can talk about origin. Made in America, I guess there's that. There's that. So, yeah, so, again, origin. Yes. Yeah, so, they have American-made products, good products, too, like.
0: As in the best?
2: Yeah, I think they're the best, <laughs> but here's the thing, you know when yeah. people are like, yeah, they got the best thing, it's like, it's a matter of opinion, so I can't tell you they're the best, but I can't tell you I think they're the
0: best. Can you not best. say it's the best
2: ghee? Yeah, oh, it's the best key. Okay. factually. That's Check. a factually thing. Yeah. So geez. So yeah. If okay, on the path. We're on the path. Dave Burke, you're on the path. On the jiu-jitsu path. path. Jiu Jitsu is part of that path. Optional, for sure. Optional, but it is part mm. of the path. It's not not part of the path. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So he might be you th-
1: questioning whether it's optional. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. No, because you've heard of people who don't necessarily do jiu-jitsu, but they're on the path. On the path. Yeah. i
0: if you, yeah, you should try and train jiu-jitsu though. Is my recommendation.
1: Yeah. It's like strongly recommended. Dave.
0: Recommendation, yay or nay, Jujitsu? jitsu
1: It's not a recommendation. You need to do it.
0: Yeah. It's weird, isn't it?
1: It's it? just, it's something unlike anything else I've ever done, and it's something you need to do. And yeah. it's, there's a million different reasons to do it. And yeah. Yeah. it's, look, Echo, it's not an option. If you're on the path, you're training. <laughs> Boom, you heard it here, folks. Dave
0: Burke, putting out word. Right, Re- so- and by the way, representing the Origin t-shirt. Big time. If someone's wondering yeah, about yeah. the jiziny boy.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> Fully. So, yeah, boom, there you go. So when you start jiu-jitsu, or if you're on the jiu path already, you need a new gi. Origin gi, best one made in America, 100%. Mm-hmm. Cotton's made in America. They make the cotton into a gi with, with other stuff, obviously, because yeah. it's, you know, a gi. They got rash guards and other jiu-jitsu stuff on there as well. Originmain.com. Mm-hmm. Joggers, okay. How you feel about joggers overall? I mean, we've come a long way. Let's face it. How you wait, feel wait, about joggers? You say we?
0: You're talking about me. If you are you indicating that <laughs> I have made some <laughs> movement towards I'm going to be sporting uh, a pair of joggers? Uh, if that's what you're thinking, it's not. So you no. Man, there's been no movement. No movement. Still at phase no movement. One. Not yeah. a pre-phase one. Pre-phase joggers. one. Yep. They're not happening for me. Would you say anti-joggers? Possibly because I've been wearing no, a lot. I'm of, not anti. I don't look at people and say oh, man yeah, yeah. I can't believe that guy's wearing joggers. I don't care about it that much
2: right right, but so but it's still like it's a zero It's not a negative. Yeah, it's just, just a, the idea. It's of joggers. just a zero. Well, I it's just not, something
0: that I don't get
2: Yeah, yeah, I dig it man. There's a lot of things that you know you might not yeah. get nonetheless. I am not in that boat I oh, think not a lot of things. I'm just saying there are things that you kind of you know don't get right on overall Depends on what you mean by a lot anyway joggers T-shirts, obviously, Dave Burke representing big time, hardcore, if you will.
0: Big time.
2: Big time, <laughs> huge time, actually. Yeah, look at that shirt. It's dope. Anyway, yeah, yeah. there there are uh, a legit shirt. sweats as well, you know, sweatsuits, most comfortable in the world. That's factually. That's like not even a matter of opinion. Check. Sounds like it. it's not, though. Also, supplements. Okay, yeah. Dave Burke. You're on the dis... Okay, there's supplements, right? Jocko, super krill oil, mm-hmm. furry joints, omega-3s, all that, antioxidants in there, all kinds of stuff good for your joints legitimately yeah not this you know one a day commercial thing this is for real good for your joints that's that (laughs) joint warfare good for your joints in a different way but very good for your joints discipline good for your brain good for your muscles called discipline pre-workout pre Cognitive not precognitive, but pre mission. We'll call yeah. it cognitive enhancing neutral.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, you know who's down with the discipline Dave Burke I am down with the discipline. So
1: what? When do you take it? I take it usually twice a day. Mm-hmm. So get up work out I'm tracking for a while at about 10 10 30 and I that's about the time I sit down and I have to I got to grind at my computer and I really don't want to but I need to mm-hmm. and I got to put my brain into things. I will take Discipline, and I'll crank for a while. Mm-hmm. And then the other time I do it is typically like post bedtime, the kids. And I what I'd really like to do is just it's call it a day. Oh, oh. But I, but you I can't get some. Yeah, yeah I gotta that, some. and that's that's when I'll take it.
0: Yeah. What about pre jujitsu?
1: Uh, I every time I go train on the <laughs> on
0: <laughs> on, the, on the drive. I thought, I thought he was gonna be like, well, no, not really, because no. he's yeah. like, no, every, every time I go <laughs> no, train, I was yep. mixing one up at the house today, mm-hmm. and. He's like, Oh, are we going to roll? And I was like, yeah, and he goes, can I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had, had three legit scoops. scoops there. These are heaping scoops there. Yeah. I think mean, it I might end up being playing. four. And I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I had a pretty small water bottle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm mixing up these supercharged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the concentrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Concentrate. Yeah, I might have, top? I have eaten it before. It doesn't taste good bra, right? You don't, oh, but I, I mean, have done I it did. if I had to. Yeah, but anyway, so that's discipline. Yeah, I did it. And, and then you you take milk again this is good that you're here because i tell everyone it tastes good that to me but i'm only one person you like it too Mince your flavor too right
2: okay so here's the thing i gotta explain that because you're here dave burke you're here you're on the discipline train i dig it I'm on the milk train. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so what <laughs> here's the thing, I never was, and even like uh yeah. you know even a, a back number in of the college episodes, days uh, a number of episodes ago, I would say more than once, by the way, that I'm like protein powder, that's what the kids take to make them think they're getting big or whatever. Right? That's kinda how I felt about it. And I you know, I Okay, okay. We'll say that. But okay, so Pete sent me the vanilla. Oh. It was in a blank yeah, yeah. container. That's, that's, it's not that's, done. That's or, coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like. It's pretty nice, yeah. You know? So I'm like, cool. I put it in. I was like, dang, this is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, interesting. It's vanilla, by the way. Yeah. So which is, not is a like, good cool. flavor, right? I, I think even like one of the definitions of vanilla is like it's just yeah, yeah. cool. It's like, fine. We're not excited
0: thing. about vanilla. Yeah, but it's good. But apparently, you, you know? were a
2: little bit. I got a little bit <laughs> excited, so I'm like, hmm. But it could be my bias. You know, it's Pete. You know, thanks P. You know, you get the big box. You're all excited. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, you could mm-hmm. be by results. So I'm like, all right, you know what the test is? Here's the test. I have a one year or two year. He's almost two. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, all right, let me. Pick up. So I give it to him. I don't recommend giving him a bunch. I don't yeah. know if all the protein, 22 grams of protein, by the way. Yeah. Two grams of sugar. No, one gram of sugar, one, yeah. two total carbs, two grams of fat, by the way which I mean feel how you want to feel about fat like it's yeah. good or whatever but bro, this is a for real protein deal like you yeah. want extra protein they're not gonna give you a bunch of other stuff you didn't sign up for anyway side note so I'm like okay my son's.
0: do you deal. have a real problem with things that you don't sign up for Correct. I noticed that about yeah, you. Bro, like that's bro. one of your things one of them Yeah. If Little you don't bit, yeah. sign up for something and it comes anyways you don't like that yes. unless it's a box of good stuff from Pete then you didn't sign up for it but <laughs> you like it <laughs> <laughs> there is that
2: yes So, boom, I give it to him, mix it up. Milk, by the way, just to be in the spirit of accuracy. Boom, hit it. Yeah, he liked it. So, I'm like, oh, okay. But it could be one of those things. Was that mint?
0: Or was that vanilla? No, vanilla. vanilla. Straight up
2: vanilla, yeah. So, I'm like, all right, well, it could be anomaly. You know how you give like someone that Mm. maybe thought it was milk. I don't know, he'll taste it. You know, so he's like, more, more, more. So, I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get out my phone so I can take a video to send to Pete. And he's like, boy, he's kind of tripping. So I'm like, all right. So I finally get the video going, and I give it to him. Yeah, he wants it. Mm-hmm. He wants the milk, two year old yep. drinking milk. Not to say to give it to your two year old. I'm saying as a taste test, that works. And that's van- vanilla, by the way. So anyway, test so confirmed, confirmed, and mm-hmm. that's vanilla. So I like the the, the mint chocolate way yeah. better, hundred percent.
0: And peanut butter chocolate that's is now right. live originmain.com uh, is that official? Uh, that no. is official. That's yeah. official. Yes. All right. That is official. So
1: all my Twitter competition of who's going to get the first <laughs> peanut butter chocolate—it's yeah. on.
0: It's good mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It's good because I've had it because we we test it and we went through like three. It didn't. The, the cool thing is, it didn't take that many iterations to get it. It was like mm-hmm. a little bit more chocolate, a little bit more peanut butter. All right. I think it was three iterations, and we were good.
2: I will say this. Send it. I'd, yeah, please. I put like a half a tablespoon of peanut butter in the mint chocolate. Uh-huh, by uh-huh. the way, as a test, and boom, I like that too. So there we're, you go. So yeah, so we're you're waiting there. for that. Anyway, yeah, and don't forget the crew order and the joint warfare. These yep. these are daily things. We need this. Yeah, yeah. Take it from me, we need this. So don't yep. run out. Also, good way to support and represent, because representing is a method of support, in True. my opinion. Jocko the store. It's called Jocko store. You can get Jocko gear rash guards. Jocko gear, I guess like more geared towards the game. Mm-hmm. Get after it, all that stuff. Um, anyway, yeah, rash guards, t-shirts, discipline equals freedom, all these things, a lot of stuff, concepts, conceptually representing by way of apparel. You don't like the word apparel. No, clothing.
0: Apparels, apparel, clothing, yeah, those things are Fashion. Fun. No, Ooh, okay. over the line, the, okay, okay, market the zero. Line.
2: Okay, got you. So anyway, accessories, if you will, some, some hats on there, some good stuff, some women's stuff on there. If you want to represent, go to com. That's where you get the stuff. Also, you want to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't mm-hmm. already. Seems obvious, I know. And that's on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, you know, all these places where they play podcasts. Good way to support and leave a review
0: and don't forget about this podcast. Also. There's the warrior kid podcast Yes, so subscribe to the war warrior kid podcast Dave Burke was the first guest on the warrior kid podcast number 16 Which is out at this time if you want to hear him answer questions from children about being a Marine Corps fighter pilot yeah. and There's also some stories from Uncle Jake in the most recent three podcasts 14 15 and 16 there's some stories from uncle Jake talking about how uncle Jake kind of established his Principles in life, so those are pretty cool and and in addition to The warrior kid podcast being available through the various podcast channels It is also available on YouTube mm-hmm. on a separate channel from the jockle podcast YouTube channel Which has this podcast on it, which yep. is pretty cool but it also has the custom, custom, artistic, artistic, videos, videos, enhanced. I was look enhanced, enhanced, There you go, boom. And wicked cool <laughs> videos Sir. from Echo Charles with about whatever. About whatever, yeah. And well, hey, <laughs> they, we they did, with this event. We just actually Dave and I just did an event. And they played the Warpath video, the good one, <laughs> and and it was on. It, no, this is legit. All it was right. on a giant screen yeah. with a sick sound system, yeah. and it was pretty cool. You like, yeah, nice, okay. yeah, cool. That actually, yeah.
2: that legitimately does make me feel. Good. Yeah. yeah,
0: and a big, big, crystal clear, yeah, HD TV something yeah. with a, a whole deal. Was and it, a a 4K? it was system. a four K TV. It was massive, probably, huh. and I was like four feet from it cuz we were about to walk on stage so I was real close to it. Yeah. And you I was, got the full experience. Yeah, I'm in exploding. that video by the way. Yeah, yeah you are. You yeah. do your ninja pose. Yeah,
2: ninja, Jedi. I don't think ninjas do. That. Nonetheless, <laughs> the YouTube thing, I was thinking about this dude. Sometimes like when when podcasts come out, not necessarily art, but you know, other podcasts or whatever, sometimes they'll put it on YouTube but they'll just have an image on there. Oh yeah, 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 I'm saying? yeah. Just no. for another source of audio, which yeah, yeah, is good. No. This but is more than that. You, yeah, you got the added dimension where we do. It is a video pod, so if you wanna see what Dave Burke looks like, if you don't know, I'm just saying. If you wanna see what Jocko looks like, if for some reason you don't know, boom, you can see what he looks like. I like
0: that picture somebody posted of what they thought you looked like. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm gonna put, you know what? I'm gonna ask that question on the social. Sure. I'm gonna say what did you think Echo Charles looked like? Oh, and we'll yeah. just see how that goes. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah that seems like that would what be. What did you
0: think Echo Charles looked like?
1: I think he looks exactly the way he does. I was not in the least bit surprised. Oh you you, okay, check. Yeah.
2: It's a good deal, Dave Burke. Yeah. Knows it, man. You heard it here. Actually, wait, did you but you didn't hear me first. You met me first, right? That was early enough? Or did you hear no, first? no.
1: I guess my voice? Have, no. I, think. I, I I heard you. Long before I met you. Oh, but you knew. Yeah. You can feel. tell. You, yeah, hear. you can tell. You can
2: tell. You Well, boom. There it is. YouTube. Subscribe if you want. If you, uh, you know, a good way to support. Really good. Also, to switch up your workout, get some kettlebells, get some battle ropes, get a jump rope if you don't have one. Get some. I just got some battle ropes. Mm. they didn't come in yet mm-hmm. so i think it's good for my workout i got planned oh and i got some rings boom oh you think i already had rings oh, how much yeah. do you talk about I rings? i did
0: not know you did not have rings I did not
2: have rings
0: disappoint
2: i had pull up bar i you know that kind but i don't have rings i have rings now they didn't come in yet they're on the way but anyway you go to on it.com jock good stuff on oh sorry slash jocko not jock. on it.com jocko they got some good workout stuff on there a lot of good info too. That's where I went when I was when I was starting the kettlebell bell routine. Mm-hmm. Got got the info from there. Boom. Good stuff. Get some socks too. That's by the
0: good. way, psychological warfare album. You can get it. Album with tracks. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> no, and man. here's the deal. Well, some people they don't know what that is. Okay, if some you don't know what, it don't is, know what that, is. that is, go to iTunes. Go to Google Play. Go to MP3. You can get an album with me talking about why you shouldn't be weak for the various reasons. That's it. That's all we're saying about it. Other than to say we are working on the new psychological warfare album. However, each time I say that I should I should caveat that by saying I have had a lot of other things to do. So I am the work I have done so far on the new Psychological Warfare album is to begin to consider topics for the next album. I have a small list. It will be rolled out. What do you think? Well, let's roll that out.
2: A win. Oh, when? I don't oh know. yeah, people want oh. smoking. But ASAP. Really? Yeah. I mean, as far as like, what someone's out there that me. wants to
0: quit smoking. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're on that. We'll put it out there. The new psychological warfare. We do have a working title, which seems to be sticking pretty well. All your excuses are lies. Yeah. Psychological warfare two. That's the one. Hopefully, it'll be better than Jaws two. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but not
0: Terminator two. But not Terminator two.
2: I'm just saying Terminator two was it what? was just as iconic as Terminator okay. one in well, my opinion.
0: We're good then. Jocka White tea. You can get it on Amazon you can get the dry tea bags and mix it yourself or you can get it in a can And if you get it no big deal you can deadlift 8,000 pounds Way the warrior kid books Dave You've read them.
1: I've read them multiple times. They are on reread in the house.
0: You got three kids ages
1: 974
0: and their feedback is
1: Feedback is solid the girls love the books
0: interesting People ask me, "What about girls? Are you going to write a book for girls?" I did write a book you for girls. It's book, called yep. "Way of the Warrior Kid." Yep, yep, agree. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Okay, my daughter. lessons
1: are universal. Kids yeah. love it. My girls love it. Girls started training jujitsu because of the book.
0: That's awesome. Yep. Do they study? Oh yeah, they study. Do they eat a little bit more healthy?
1: Th- look, they're on the path. No joke, they're they're on the path.
0: <laughs> it's legit. That's awesome. And uh, I actually talk to your kids occasionally. And I see that they are in fact on the path. What about the field manual?
1: They have not read the field field manual. I have read the field manual Feedback 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 is also legit. It is a prescription mm. If you need some help on getting and staying on the path read the field manual
0: Have you ever read three pages of the of the field manual just just because
1: Three pages. Yeah.
0: Have you ever just been like, you know, you're sitting there and it's on your desk and you're like, you know what? I'm going to check. I'm, I'm going to read this real quick. Yeah.
1: So the thing about the book is the cover of the book. That cover it's says cover. open this book. It's covers. Awesome. man. that hardcover is is legit, man.
0: They asked me like, All right, when would you like to roll out the soft cover? I'm like, uh, never. No,
1: that is not a soft cover book. Man. No, it is not.
0: No, there's an iconic picture. They say Echo says there's an iconic picture. I think he says the photographer that took the picture had an incredible
1: day that day. Sense no for art. Okay, I didn't say that for the soft cover. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Oh Oh, yeah, I say I don't care what the picture looks like. There's no soft cover. No, there's no No. no soft cover. Well,
2: it is actually when I said it's an iconic picture means less of the notion or the idea that I took a great picture or nothing like this. I'm saying that picture that we took in my hallway mm-hmm. one random night mm-hmm. with my cheap camera mm-hmm. became a picture that's kind of representative iconic
0: if you will okay so he's claiming it of you know your whole he's trying to downplay it thing. it could Seems be insane.
2: called iconic <laughs> The picture that I sure. took uh, one random
0: uh, night no big deal
2: well you look at where the word kid the b- picture on the back of that one I took down too but yeah. is that iconic not he, maybe much. not. It didn't push me in that direction necessarily, but the one on the cover of Discipline Equals Freedom
1: Field oh, yeah. Manual is.
0: The publisher wanted a picture of me where I looked more approachable. approachable. <laughs> the,
1: one, the one in the back? The one in the back yeah, cover. The sure. kid one, and, yeah, And hey, There's was, something about the Warrior Kid books that you didn't mention, though. You said that? you wrote a kid's book that's for boys and girls. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a book for adults, too. Yeah. That's not, what I said. Not just not just for the adults there are lessons for the adults but that book is a great parenting co- tool yeah. that's it's what i said it's a legit parenting tool yeah. that i now get to go is that what mark would do <laughs> <laughs> what would uncle jake say here and i actually get to parent less now cuz yeah. i just reference yeah. the book that's that's no joke man it's I, old, that we're, it's we're, the
0: we're ultimate flank it is it really is it's the Absolutely. ultimate flank because the, here's the problem kids do not listen to their parents Kids listen to a certain percentage of what their parents say, and there's a certain p- portion of them that is programmed to rebel against you yes. as a parent. They're programmed that way. And the more you fight it, the worse it's going to get. You come in from the flank, boom. There you go. Yeah. It's true. Good point. What about, Dave, this is your big night. What about extreme ownership? Feedback.
1: Feedback. <laughs> I have read that book several times, I've listened to it. I reference the book constantly because of the work that we do, and I get a lot of feedback on that book. That is the book that when you talk about, when you see it broadly, that quote from Musashi, you start to see it everywhere, that's what that book is. Yeah. Because once you tip on that, and once that gets embedded in your DNA, once you start doing that, you will see that everywhere. and. That is what's unique about that book. Yes, sir. The best oh. feedback I've ever gotten on that book from people we work on today, they say it just makes sense.
0: Yeah. We have a follow on to that book coming out. It's called The Dichotomy of Leadership. It's about all those opposing forces you face as a leader. And I talked about the ultimate dichotomy tonight. And so that book comes out September twenty fifth. Also, if you need live training. You need a little bit more than the book you need a little bit more than the podcasts you can bring us inside your organization we have a company called Echelon Front that's what Dave was talking about tonight I was talking about tonight all the companies that we work with that's what we're talking about we solve problems through leadership boom me Leif JP Dave Burke Flynn Cochran and now we also have Mike Sorelli in the house all right what about the muster
1: Muster six coming up, San Francisco. This will be my fifth muster.
0: Oh, that's right. You missed the first. I one. did.
1: I did not make the first muster. But um, this muster, like every other muster, is a going to be awesome, and B, it's going to sell out.
0: Yeah, actually, it's going to sell out. It's it's, it's almost there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
1: talked to Jimmy just the other day about it. We
0: are tracking way ahead of where we expected. Yeah. It's going to sell out soon. You got to get on it. Now, because of the muster. We actually designed something else because we wanted to do something first of all the musters got a pretty high price point It's pretty expensive and it focuses on real broad Leadership across the board, but we have had come to all the musters Law enforcement military border patrol firefighters paramedics other first responders We wanted to do something a little bit a little bit focused on what they do for a living so we have something called the roll call it is September 21st in Dallas Texas it's one day leadership seminar for everyone out there in uniform so if you're a police officer if you're a firefighter and we've worked with Police officers and firefighters, and we've worked with Border Patrol and we've worked with military units, and we still do all of that. But if you want to come and get a one day immersion into the combat leadership principles that we talk about in the book, Extreme Ownership, that we talk about on this podcast, come to the roll call September, September 21st in Dallas, Texas. And for both the muster and the roll call, you can register for those. At extremeownership.com. On top of all of that, we have something now called Echelon Front Overwatch, EFOverwatch.com. And Dave, you've been involved pretty heavily in us standing that up. We are we in our business working with companies. We are always running into companies that need. What do they need? They need good leaders. They need good people and because of our connections to the military all of us having spent extended periods of time in the military in special operation as combat pilots we have connections there and this is a place where we have an opportunity to bring those two things together people that want great leaders and people that are great leaders that need jobs so we're bringing those together whether you're somebody that wants to employ people or whether you're looking to be employed as a spec ops individual or a combat pilot then go to efoverwatch.com put your information in there and we will proceed down the line of getting you the best people you can and I miss anything on ef overwatch
1: no it's', it's like you said and, and the best thing for the transitioning folks if you're looking for a new mission to find your next mission after you transition out of the service this is the place to do it
0: come and get some and if you want to kind of keep carrying on this conversation with us virtually that is until we see you live either at the muster or at the roll call or at the immersion camp up in Maine then you can find us all on the interwebs on Twitter on Instagram and on Dave is at David R. Burke. B E R K E.
2: Cause that's the thing. I mean, the you always forget your own thing. You're like Dave R. Burke.
0: Yeah. David R. Burke. Correct. So yeah, that's where you are. And echo's. you're there, you're there on Twitter and on Instagram. Yep. And on that Facebook. <laughs> Echo is, of course, Echo Charles. And I am Hat, Jocko, like, Echo. Anything else?
2: Nope. Good to see you again, Dave Burke. Actually, you talk about him always texting you about jiu jitsu and stuff. Yeah. He, he calls me too. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's nope. how it is, man. It's so one of those things where you see his name on your phone, you kind of get happy. Yeah. Just for, you know,
0: you get happy and you like, man, was arm lock question, <laughs> escape at the mouth question?
2: Nope.
1: All
0: that stuff. Good deal, Dave. Great to see you. Good deal Dave Burke any closing comments dude. Thanks
1: for having me back man. Uh, (laughs) I could do this all day I appreciate the chance to talk again and uh, Being a part of this is a big deal for me. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Awesome to have you on and Again, thanks for everything that you've done for me and done for Our freedom as a nation and I'm sure we will do this many times again in the future so yeah this is just the beginning my brother right on and everyone else in the military that is out there right now protecting our freedom thank you and to the first responders police law enforcement border patrol firefighters paramedics thanks for keeping us and our families safe and to everyone else that is listening thank you thank you for listening thank you for supporting And thanks for remembering the heroes that gave their lives so that Liberty and democracy can survive and let the names of the fallen forever forever be as unperishable as those glorious ideals for which they made the ultimate sacrifice and until next time this is Dave and Echo and Jocko out